0: Hi friends welcome back to another video and episode of the james red podcast i'm here with my friend austin ross once again he is a jazz pianist and we're going to talk about uh ins- being inspired by different art forms and how they can uh, how art inspires art and i want to dig into a conversation about that and figure out where we can go and we always tend to go all sorts of interesting directions last time we had a conversation this was sort of the topic but by the end we realized we had not really spoken about said topic at at all so we said hey let's try it again and then a couple months later we're like let's well we're going to give it another shot and hopefully we can stay so on topic that it's painful you know (laughs) uh but but we'll digress in beautiful ways i'm sure how are you austin i'm
1: fantastic uh um, everything's on the up and up right now um, my grandma's on the recovery uh, they're talking about sending her home from the hospital and um, I just did like two gigs in a row which is exciting because I've not been this busy with music ever so uh, yeah. things are looking really cool right now
0: good 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 yeah so I, the more active times in life seem to be the more fulfilling even if in the middle of that activeness is some uh, not so happy activeness, but I'm glad you told me your grandmother. Your grandmother was doing miraculously well, and that's excellent. Yes, here. very good. Okay, we went
1: from a couple days life expectancy to now they're talking about sending her home from oh the hospital, gosh. which is amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I that that happens far too often, but it speaks to our medical system, man. Like you, you when you go through something like that, you just realize how. How how horrible it would have been to go through this situation in you know fourteen eighty. I know, right? It it would have it. There are so many situations where simple things that we now know and that we can now do were not were not available to people back right. in those times. Yeah, well, very good. Okay, so. Uh, where do we start? I think a good place to start with this is to answer the question of why is it important to diversify your inspirations? Like, why is, why should we look outside of our craft? And I think it's something along, what went for one, for me, it's that you are able to have a more diverse pot to pull from, stew of creativity to pull from in your art, and you Remove the risk of sound, uh, sounding, looking, creating just like somebody else who mm-hmm. just focuses on the, who, who is a photographer or a musician and they're not as diverse. The, the 10% more diverse you are in your inspirations, that's going to affect how you compare to another person. And I try to be as diverse as possible. And I'm inspired by all sorts of different crafts like inspired by uh, music which is very easy because I'm also a musician but painting design architecture like I went to the freedom tower for the first time and I saw I, I, I walked if you walk to the right position up under it it ceases to be like a rectangular building as buildings are normally shaped in unless you were in ancient Egypt they were way ahead of the game, but uh, you look up and the building changes from a rectangle to a uh, a point, an arrow. It's like a perfect arrow, and so you just you look straight up and you're like, what, Where did the building go?" It looks like a, a pyramid. It's amazing, and so I I just think about the, the the thought that goes into putting this thing together, and one making sure it doesn't it doesn't fall apart, but also making it aesthetically beautiful and the discipline that goes in that and the teamwork and uh, all the, the the it also speaks to the fact that we as humans are fundamentally creative people whether you say you're creative or not because we have this idea in our culture that some people are creative some people are not if you're doing anything in life that is meaningful and important and actually is pushing some sort of creating some sort of progression you're being creative and you're probably going to be attacked for that at some point along the lines but that just means you're doing the right thing but like i mean i listen to pike like i listen to people talk about you know mma fighters <laughs> i'm inspired by uh communicators huge one we can talk for hours about that i love listening to communicators comedians uh police and soldiers like just the the sort of the the call to danger (laughs) that they have to, to, you know, run into the things that can kill them and they have to be on their toes and they have to be well-trained. I love, I love seeing people who are well-trained at their thing and uh, they're able to execute with, you know, fluidness, Uh, Starbucks baristas. I worked at Starbucks for a little while. The, The fluidness there, less dangerous. I mean, you could drop some milk on your, you know, you could hot coffee on your I'd shoe. i it's comparable
1: to a policeman's yeah, job. Yeah, well... It, <laughs> Angry customer could go sideways real fast.
0: Yeah, things can go really wrong. You get really an order
1: wrong, wrong and, you, you, I mean, one wrong order could, like, you yeah. know, that's, it's over for you. Like, right. that's it.
0: Well, no, right near, like, if you're steaming some milk right near the end, if you're not careful, that milk can shoot out, hit you right in the eye, and, you, I mean, you won't be the same. It's over. Yeah.
1: You're a different person after that. That's a good point. The old James is dead.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think we've already made some good progress in this conversation. Uh, so, uh, so why do you think it's important?
1: Well, I think it's important to um, to kind of look outside of your bubble from time to time. And I think as a musician, it's important for musicians like myself to not all not always get like stuck in in this kind of you know, uh, rut where it's like, I'm, I'm a classical percussionist. So I only listen to classical percussion etudes and I only do, I only pay attention to other classical percussionists and I'm only going to school to be a classical percussionist. I'll never be involved in another ensemble, you know, so on and so forth. And so it's important, like, Hey, you know, there's some really good rock drummers out there who can play the drum kit, you know, with flair and style. And they probably have a lot of good technique. And you could stand to listen to some of that. You know, you could listen to jazz. You could listen to pop music, commercial styles of music, uh, experimental music. So without even, like, going outside necessarily of your, I guess, your field, so to speak, you know, just looking at outside of your immediate vicinity of, like, hey, I'm doing my thing. Like, I'm a jazz pianist, so all my favorite music is you know, at least jazz. But then, I think I draw a lot of inspiration from great pop songs that I've listened to, and um, you know, great rock and roll songs and songs I grew up listening to that my dad likes. Uh, hymns, worship songs, country music, um, and then the next step beyond that, obviously, or that you can you can just gain a lot of insight and and be informed just by stepping outside of that. And then the next step, obviously, is like looking at other art forms entirely like dance or, uh, photography or painting or sculptures or, you know, coffee art or whatever. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of not necessarily as important to be an artist, to be a craftsman, like a blacksmith doesn't necessarily have to pay attention to uh, a tapestry artist to be a good blacksmith. Right. But it'd be interesting to like you know look at how how he goes about his work i guess i'm not a blacksmith i don't know anything about smithing but as a as Smithery. a musician yeah <laughs> as as a musician i'm you know it's it's constantly fascinating to to as an exercise to translate things that inspire me uh such as color and shape and and you know uh, emotions and and things of that nature and and try and translate them in a in a Communicable way, uh, something that I can relate to everyone through my music. So, uh, what's, an,
0: what's an interesting genre that you feel like you pull from that that actually that actually informs the type of music that you play?
1: Uh, electronic music.
0: Electronic it's music. Huge. Okay. Yes,
1: very big influence on me.
0: What about that is so interesting to you?
1: Rhythms. Um, okay. Rhythms and interesting musical textures. Because jazz, I love jazz, and jazz is kind of like my main thing. But the one thing that gets kind of boring about jazz is you have the same textures throughout the whole genre, pretty much. And so the the best jazz artists today, in my opinion, are ones that play around with different sounds and different timbres and different instruments. Like I have, I have a great admiration for a French vocalist named Layla Marshall.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And her band makeup is drums, bass um, and, uh, guitar and vocals. Mm. So no piano, which is, you know, pretty strange off the bat. And then I don't think she has bass on most of her tunes. I think it's mostly just her, like looping herself, doing like vocal, like chords and stuff like that. Um, you know, overdubbing herself. And that's like really interesting to me. That's like a really cool way of, of expressing yourself that I don't think, um, is is very much explored in jazz, because jazz combo, right, is just you got your rhythm section, your guitar, your drums, your bass, your piano, and then you have your horn section, which is a, typically a trombone, uh, an alto and a tenor, and then a trumpet or two.
0: Right? Be right back. I have to turn my fan off. I just forgot.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm back. I just, Welcome back.
0: I realized, I was, I realized that uh, that's going to not be good for my audio. Oh, no, now no. I'm just, chords are stuck to things. This is a nightmare. We have to start this over. Is a
1: Skype, this is the Skype curse, my friend. This
0: is, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, we're using Skype uh, for this because I got a new software, and hopefully this is going to look much better than it has in the past because I, uh, I spent some money on this, and I think that it's going to really up the, the, the feeling and the aesthetic of it. It's going to go from, you know, rudimentary pop to jazz you know, what I mean?
1: intellectual pop music.
0: So, so there's something that like happens, I think, when when music is a little bit too genre hmm, genred. It's a little bit too maybe insular is the word. Fla-
1: I Flanderization is a term I would borrow from the oh, television world.
0: Wow, I've never heard that one.
1: Flanderization. Flanderization. Oh man. Okay. So you watch The Simpsons, right?
0: Uh, I, you know, in the past I didn't, and I just watched an episode the other day now that I've grown into my fully well-rounded and politically informed self. And I realized it was a huge mistake that I never watched it because it's a pretty great show.
1: I haven't watched too much of the Simpsons, but you know, it's so, it's so culturally pervasive that you can't not know anything. You can't go your whole life without knowing something about the Simpsons, right? You know, Homer's an alcoholic. You know, you know, Lisa is an intellectual, you know, Bart's a dumbass who, pardon me, who skates, skateboards (laughs) everywhere, right? (laughs) Like that kind of thing. Like you just know those things, even if you don't know anything about the show. Well, anyway, flanderization was a coin. I forget who coined the term. I think it was TV tropes, but it's the concept of a character that becomes more and more of a uh, stereotype of itself. Over the course of his oh, lifetime, so Ned Flanders is the neighbor of The Simpsons, right? And in the first few episodes, he's kind of like a quiet neighbor who's who's a Christian, right? He's kind of conservative, so he has some you know conservative family values and stuff like that. But like okay. nowadays, like towards the end of the show, he's like a rabid, like aggressive, you know, in your face, forcing his values down yeah, your throat yeah. versus the, sh- the shy neighborly Christian that we saw at the beginning of the the show mm. that's flanderization. They right? decided Another... to
0: make him insist upon himself.
1: Right. Yeah. So he becomes more and more of the the exaggerate. It's the I forget the exact definition. There's they, someone wrote I sat down and wrote out a definition of it. But basically the the parts of the character that are kind of comical and silly become more and more exaggerated over time until they are the only aspects of the character.
2: Mm. So mm-hmm.
1: to Another example is like Kevin from The Office, if you watch The Office,
2: another okay. comedy. Yep, I love
1: The at Office. The be- at the beginning of the show, Kevin's like kind of a dopey, you know, but still smart accountant. And by the end of the show, he's literally just a complete and utter idiot. He's a complete <laughs> retard who can't do math or anything. And it's like, I mean, it's funny, right? Yeah, yeah. It, that's, that's an example of like not a severe flanderization, but it's, it's still – He's still been Flanderized.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, well, they, they realized that that was the thing that people really enjoy That was a thing that pl- people really enjoyed. So they decided to press into it, or they got lazy with writing. Or, right. Yeah. or perhaps, It's
1: normally not really intentional. It just happens over the course of... When a show runs for years and years and years, you kind of lose... And, and you, you have so many writers. You kind of lose perspective on, like, what was this character when we invented him? You know, it's hmm. more like what was he last week right Mm
0: -hmm. yeah so there's this i think the progression applies in music as well where when things become a genre they start to insist upon themselves so much that it becomes it becomes noise it becomes not uh engaging less authentic feeling and so you get like for me I struggle with listening to what I would call the sort of the quintessential jazz, which you normally hear, which is just, you know, and with the drums, I, I want something to happen. And it's just like he's just doing little notes on the, the he's doing the, the, whatever you call it, the the normal notes that you would hear.
1: On he's the... doing a ride pattern.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. I'm a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, the yeah, he's doing he's doing uh, sort of like a triple triplet ride pattern type thing, and then the snare is just kind of uh, on the offbeat, just hit it, ta, you know. And when I listen to that, it doesn't do a whole lot for me. I need it to have some some edginess to it. That's you know personal preference. People listen to Max Roach. Okay, Max Roach. I'll, I'll write that down. Um, but uh, and and you know Snarky Puppy we've always spoke about Snarky Puppy is a great example of They
1: have like three drummers in the band uh, at any given time.
0: Right. And and they're you know they're a fusion band so they're pulling in all sorts of different inspirations from from different areas. That's what makes them so interesting is if you were not a musician and you didn't know what a fusion band was, you would listen to that and go, "What is this?" Mm-hmm. as opposed to when you walk into a doctor's office you hear jazz you go freaking jazz this is bossa nova this is right <laughs> right uh, so it, <laughs> it, it,
2: yeah.
0: the girl from Ipanema uh, the <laughs> the, <laughs> the drums the drums for that sort of music is really exciting it's like it's it's hard to break out of the pattern that you're that you play to keep the backbone of the song going But when you learn to play it quote unquote correctly, like I, when I, when I realized that there's a certain certain pattern that you should start with, and then you can diverge from that, but like find that pattern and you're not just doing what it sounds like, but what it's actually supposed to be Mm
2: -hmm. It's
0: for one, it's really hard. It breaks your brain a little bit, but two, (laughs) uh, it, it really challenges you. And then, and then it's, it sounds so much better than what. Than what you would have come up with if you did not engage with that pattern, Mm -hmm. which is a good example of why guidelines are a good thing. Yes, but restraints
1: breed creativity. Correct. That's next week's topic. Put in a box. Yeah,
0: I know, I know, I know. Uh, (laughs) So okay, so what I was trying to get at with with the music becoming too uh, insular and sheltered. Is It's an example of what I think can happen if you're not intentionally diversifying your your inputs. It becomes a, so what was the word again?
1: Flanderization.
0: Flanderization or even a, a caricature or a meme of itself, which can start to feel wrong or, you know, it has an effect that is not necessarily. Disingenuous. Positive. Could be just, yeah, disingenuous or. Like
1: Muse's latest album.
0: Like <laughs> shots fired man shots fired oh,
1: Bears has been writing the same song for how like 20 years
0: Yeah I you know I've only heard maybe 3 of their songs and maybe that's why You've heard all of them at this okay, point Okay I've heard all of <laughs> them right, great great just different different <laughs> words Um so so, yeah. So what do you what do you think about that? Do you think that I, I don't think it's inherently negative that that happens, but you are sacrificing something by not intentionally reaching out of your bubble?
1: There is something to be said for the fact that um, there are sects of, um, and groups within genres and within uh, certain forms of art that are tend to be more conservative than others. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the more experimental group wants to be like, your rules are stupid, you're stupid, I'm gonna forget all of you and just do my own thing. And the more conservative people are like, hey, this has been done for 500 years, you don't mess with this formula, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a balance to be found between, hey, yes, there we are standing on the shoulders of giants right and we, we we you know come after generation after generation after generation of uh artists who have paved the way for this certain thing but we can also be uh way pavers and uh you know path makers where we we can also develop our own new styles and our own new ideas without completely throwing the baby out with the bath water
2: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. um so and I'm going to draw forgive me I'm going to draw on uh, examples from my own experience as a musician um, because that's that's what's most relevant that to, would make to my sense experience. That you would, yeah, I, I, um, I will allow it. I'll try and break out into like some sports analogies and you know, can you some <laughs> more interesting stuff? <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm, need you I'm to pull on the guy. experience
0: of LeBron James for your next analogy, please.
1: I'm gonna have to call him. I'm gonna have to, you know, I'm gonna have to ring him up. I
0: got him on speed dial. Oh really? Is that still a thing? Can you still speed dial yes. people on an? It's iPod? called
1: your favorite. It's called your favorites list.
0: Oh, I guess that is true. Yeah. Right. So
1: I have. If you go into your phone app you just pull up your favorites list, it has a list of all your people that you need to... Austin, I found t- it. Nice.
0: I found it. I have my wife, so, my mom, and my dad. You can see how socially uh, engaged I am.
1: I have my immediate family, my grandma, my girlfriend, my best friend, and the gate that I need to call in case anyone tries to visit me in my house. It's the neighborhood gate.
0: Okay. Is the so, gate friendly? Yeah. They're very nice. Okay. Okay. Very. Unless
1: so, you get that one old mean lady who works in the middle of the night, she's mm, not very nice. But everyone else—that's
0: why they put her it. in the middle of the night. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> where she belongs. Damn it! Oh, damn it. <laughs> okay, what were you saying? I'm sorry. I've, I mean... So anyway, to
1: go back to the the topic of um, conservatism versus you know progressivism in terms of art, not necessarily the political sense of those yeah. terms. I was going to uh, say
0: that they eerily mirror each other, though. Isn't that crazy? Not well, no, well, no, no, no. Oh, well, okay. Can I? In the true sense of those words, yes. No, no. If let, you, let me state were... my case. Okay. Sorry. So what I, what I mean is that they they mirror each other in the sense that one is interested in preserving tradition, which has its value. One is interested in being rid of it and say and and taking a political term and putting it in the musical world. Being all postmodern about it and saying music is whatever we want it to be, and it can be whatever we want it to be. And they forsake, you know, you go too far this way that you forsake the traditions that make, for example, I believe America a great country. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's it's interesting how those two mirror each other, but I'm sure they don't mirror each other in other ways, which you're about to state. well, if Carry you on. believe,
1: I mean, no, you're absolutely right that they're. True conservatives are concerned with preserving traditions and preserving what they believe to be the core values um, and morals of the country, and true liberals are are concerned with moving forward and adapting to the future, and um, you know, creating a new path forward rather than being stuck in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, virtually no one who is actually truly conservative or actually truly liberal identifies with those terms, those ah, terms being a conservative in America means, uh, you know, you're anti gay rights. You're, you're a gun clinging, you know, gun toting, Bible clinging, Bible thumping, you know, red blooded
0: redneck. But you're saying I the mean, perception of conservatives, right? Are you but saying then, that- like, but, then, but then like most
1: conservatives are Republicans, right? And they're, they're hawkish about, um, the foreign countries, and they want to—they want to, you know, invade whatever the Middle Eastern country of the week is. Mm. Because, why not? I mean, Donald Trump's is like, if you, are Iran." It's like, <laughs> bruh. Like, meanwhile, uh, liberals are people who call themselves liberal are mostly Democrats, who, for all intents and purposes, now are the more conservative party. They're totally obsessed with making sure things don't change. From uh, you know, Bush, Obama, and uh, I think Clinton era politics. Okay, right? so,
0: so what you're saying is that people will dis- people who are who have quote unquote conservative values that aren't sort of that, that are appalled by the over uh, hmm, the over boxification of conser- of conservatives that are represented, they, they disconnect themselves from that title. Yeah, because they don't like how how, uh, they they don't agree with everything they're doing. They just and can
1: I say that going too extreme one, one one direction or the other is unhealthy, no matter what direction you pick.
0: By the way, we're we're having a political conversation. I I don't even care right now. This is great. <laughs> so to go <laughs> we'll back, we'll make it to back. We'll make it back. in music. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: um, my point there, is that uh, they, Witten they,
1: Marsalis, they... huh? Witten Marsalis. Is okay. um, probably he's probably done the most uh, for the preservation of jazz education in America and the promotion of jazz in schools. Uh, the making sure that people remember the jazz tradition, where it comes from, you know, the roots. Um, and he's a fantastic player, just utterly ridiculous trumpet player. I mean. Like you just see recordings of him just playing in jazz clubs, and you're like, this guy is world class, right? Mm -hmm. And it's well uh, deservedly so, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he has a very unhealthy belief and a very healthy perspective on uh, modern music like fusion, like Snarky Puppy and the Funky Knuckles and and Avishai Cohen and and, you know any you know funk, you know world music right because in his mind jazz was and, and this is this is a little bit of jazz history for you in the 70s and 80s jazz kind of had like a dark ages mm. like people didn't know what was happening we we're like what is going on Miles Davis was doing rock and roll albums that were all noise music i mean i couldn't name a single great great jazz like true jazz album from the 80s we tend to come back from that of course we've got great modern artists like Brad Meldau and Joshua Redman you know Tigran Hamasyan, Hiromi mm.
0: I feel like um, we're going through that with uh, with hip-hop right now like, mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like the the post 2000 era hip-hop is definitely experiencing that same kind Dark of thing, ages. thing because absolutely uh, like 80s and 90s hip-hop for me specifically 90s hip-hop was pretty incredible and you had a lot of hip-hop artists who were uh, who are uh, they were creating lyrics that had a lot of meaning and depth to them they were talking because about they things. they
1: actually considered it to be a work of poetry right. rather than a means a quick means of fame and fortune
0: right and which it, unfortunately
1: and it, is the is the uh, the current state of affairs in hip-hop mm-hmm. is like i gonna be a rapper who gets you know grilled tattoos and look tough and and just screams into my microphone because that's the cool thing to do
0: yeah and yeah. sorry i was that's what's saying, gonna make my me. my wife's famous. bringing my power cord so i was
1: nice to make sure my concern so don't open. die in the middle of the yeah. interview that'd be terrible
0: um so yeah so anyway so well, what i was saying was that uh that you know sorry. uh 90 oh now he's he's in trouble are you in trouble? Do you have to go to no, your room now? I'm, be,
1: I'm, I'm being really loud, supposedly.
0: Oh, no. We're just too passionate.
1: We're too passionate. You tone it
0: down, man. We're just trying Sorry. to... Sorry. We're gonna break a hole in the world. Damn it. Um, so... I'm
1: forward in this room, so I'm... I think there was, like, something of,
0: something about hip-hop in that time that was... That was... It was rebellious.
1: It's new. It's fresh, It's right?
0: new. Right. It's new, it's fresh. It was rebellious. They were talking about things that were... Like it was this intense, uh, uh, rage against the system kind of feel, and now it's the one of the most popular musical art forms out there, and you know I guess it got more commoditized, all sorts of different influences, and now it's nothing but it's nothing but a collection of uh, people talking about, you know, sexuality and money and uh how how they're gonna you know they're gonna shoot this great i am and then we get surprised when somebody gets shot but that's another story that's another conversation entirely (laughs) but it's just like it's devoid of of deep meaning it's devoid of Mm -hmm. what it 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 used to be but there are a lot of hip-hop artists out there who are still doing that of course i want right you know, I so will the, conservative, so the conservative hip-hop
1: fans are the ones saying, listen, modern rap music is not rap music at all. It's not real rap, right? Mm. Go listen to you know, Scarface or Biggie or Tupac if you want real rap music. And then there's modern artists who are like, hey, you no, know, like, there's guys like Kendrick. There's guys like you know Childish Gambino. There's guys like Jaden who are like cutting-edge, real artists who are innovating the art form and still preserving the ideas. So, and, the, and these are also and,
0: people who were who were pulling from different genres it didn't feel so uh sheltered you know that jazz. this one the yeah, right? <laughs> right 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 yeah they were you know they put in a little jazzy lick in the and uh, over the beat and it really changed the feel of the song right you know um there there was they were pulling in you know i think uh so my favorite hip hop group is fujis, and I think that they're uh the score there that album is pretty amazing and, you have to
1: send it to me because i've never heard oh of okay
0: uh lauren hill you know lauren hill is vaguely she sings killing me softly yes and... okay so she was in fujis uh which is not the fujis i made that mistake i got shot it's bad it's a bad day bad weekend uh but she was in she was in that group at the time 90s hip-hop group she's a ridiculous rapper and they would bring in influences like that like that song was on the record killing me softly and it was just like it, it it was this odd inclusion into the mix of hip-hop that felt so nice and she said when she was growing up she was inspired by different musical artists that her friends were not listening to at that time and you know it was very you know, melodic type of stuff. And so she brought that influence in to, uh, the music that she started to create and you can feel it, you know, there's a difference there. And so that's a perfect example of the value of, of mixing and matching. in art. Right. Exactly.
1: I mean, carry on. When you, I didn't mean to draw. No, 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 you're good. When you draw from uh, other styles and other art forms and you, you are willing to take risks and bend the rules a little bit, you are more likely than not to have something at least interesting, right? But folks like Quentin Marsalis, they saw that taken to the extreme, right? Where guys were only experimenting, you had like so much free jazz and so much, as basically just means throw out all the rules. Let's just all get in a circle with our instruments and just do whatever we want. You want to play on your saxophone with drumsticks? Go right ahead. That's equally <laughs> as valid as blowing through you the mouthpiece. You stick piece. a
0: tuba tuba in your ear? Why not?
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Creates so, a very specific tone.
1: It, yeah, it's it's so it be, it was so extreme and so violent. And so destructive to the popularity of jazz. Because at one point in American history, jazz was the art form. It was the popular music. And all popular music was informed by jazz. Now, not so much. And it, as jazz became more and more experimental, it, it faded. It has faded into obscurity. And it is now more a niche art form. And so Winton sees that and he goes, okay, anything that it approaches funk. You know that approaches fusion music that's not jazz That's not real jazz that's something else mm-hmm. and unfortunately
0: he, he created a barrier
1: right that like. that
0: that casts
1: out an entire section of artists within that world that alienates them and and invalidates their efforts because mm-hmm. when, when you're as big as Wynton Marsalis is he's that in case you didn't know Jazz at Lincoln Center is a uh, Lincoln Center is like a huge arts center in New York, and they're most famous for their jazz, their big band program. They're just like huge, like like anyone who's anyone wants to play at Lincoln Center at some point in their lives. So, when Wynton Marsalis, the head of Jazz at Lincoln Center, says, "Hey, if you're a funk guy or a fusion guy, you're out, right? Only the blues, swing, and you know, Latin tunes. That's it, mm-hmm. right? It gets it gets." it's hairy it's like hey man like what about me like Mm -hmm. i like doing swing music too but my whole deal is electronic fusion am i not a real jazz musician now should i just go do something else right and it's discouraging Mm -hmm. so you have to find a balance of like okay obviously if we go way off the deep end it becomes it doesn't it ceases to become music and is more of a performance art piece right and there is a line obviously but i i we must be reticent to cast anyone out and say, hey, you're not really part of us, right? You're not with, we're not with this group, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, so, it, it's a leg up for the people who do th- think in divergent ways, I think, because you you're always going to have the people who aren't open-minded enough, which being open-minded is synonymous with creativity for me on a psychological level, like being open to, experience and thoughts that are from different universes (laughs) you know you have this one over here and you're like this is a this is a spoon and this is a painting and this is a giraffe how do i turn that into a song (laughs) like you like people who are less open in their minds don't have those thoughts and that's what makes creative people unique right and so when you have people um like who you're talking about, who will create barriers, that's an opportunity for somebody who is more open to step in and delete barriers. Right. Right. But it's also, so, but it's also, it's also very, uh, you know, I guess, I don't know. I I'm interested to hear what your opinion is on of what the downfall is of having those barriers.
1: Um, well,
0: Golly. But you can finish, you can also finish your other thoughts. No, right? I just wanted
1: to put a disclaimer that I have nothing but respect for Wynton Marsalis. Oh, okay. And I think he's a fantastic musician. And, Winton, if you're watching this, please know that um, I don't mean to be derogatory towards you. And I think you're wonderful. So mm-hmm. please keep doing what you're doing. Um, you've done so much to promote jazz education across America and across the world. And I can only thank you for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, I take that as a, a critique of something that you see is interesting and maybe a little bit negative, but you hold that within the greater sphere of how positive it is, his influence, mm-hmm. all of the good things that he's done, which I think is so right. important.
1: But see, the, in contrast with Winton, you've got guys like Robert Glasper, um, who is a Houston, he's from Houston, he's a piano player. Uh, Winton is. I did I say Winton plays trumpet. I forget. Yeah, he's a he's a trumpet player. Okay. Right, not that that's important. I mean, it is important. I just this assume whole career, these guys but...
0: play every instrument that exists. Well, they can.
1: You know, hammer Smer, good. sure. It's so funny that you say that because I just saw a video of Corey Henry's. You know that song "Crazy" by Narsles Barkley. Yeah. Does that make me crazy? Yeah, they did a Corey Henry's group did a cover of that song, and they posted it on YouTube, and they got this guy who comes up and he takes a hammer dulcimer solo.
0: Hmm, that's that's interesting <laughs> for, for that song it's, especially. It's awesome. Wow, it is
1: so cool. Yeah, I'll have to they, send you the link. For
0: anyone who doesn't know what a hammer dulcimer is, it's a very it's a very melodic, almost Indian-sounding instrument where you take these it's little... It's a
1: Middle Eastern instrument.
0: Yeah, you take these little hammers and hit strings, and you probably They heard look it. like
1: toothbrushes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or even like a, a piano hammers, maybe a little bit-ish. But you hit on these strings, and you've probably heard it in music before, and you didn't realize what instrument it was. But it's this beautiful sound, uh, but definitely not traditionally uh, well put for crazy by (laughs) sparkling. that's interesting it's a good example though it's like when you see that happen it's like oh my gosh i can do creative things like this too people my friends hate me because i you know i'm doing toothpaste paintings but when i see something like this it it inspires me that I can I can continue to do this, that somebody out there thinks with an open enough mind to do something as sort of ridiculous as what I'm trying to do, which is so good.
1: Mm-hmm. And I am of the belief that people who aren't afraid to be losers and little weird and ridiculous are the people who create the most earnest and the most emotionally impactful art.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I mean, everyone thought Van Gogh was an idiot when he was alive mm-hmm. and now everyone thinks he's like the greatest ever i mean yeah. look i mean every painting he made was just oh, but everyone he thought he was he thought his paintings were worthless
0: mm-hmm.
1: He was like i'm stupid mm-hmm. right so
0: the more the more i've learned about history the more i realize that what the present day calls a loser uh the future will call historically divergent mhm and I think that that is something that we have to remember because if you're different and you, and people are making you feel inferior because of that, it is possibly because they are they don't have a creative or they don't have an open enough mind to understand what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's highly possible that 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 is the case.
1: So, so I think to start to answer your question about those the benefits versus harms of those "quote unquote" barriers is um, to, I was talking about Robert Glasper um, and he's an um, he's a jazz keys player and he's also a producer he's a hip-hop producer and he works a l- very closely with a lot of guys out of LA and he is from the Miles Davis school of thought Miles Davis said that the next great jazz musician would come out of hip-hop
2: hmm.
1: right so I mean, he was, you know, he was on something else when he said that because he was like way off into his, you know, Mm -hmm. spiritual journey into the weirdness of free jazz and all that craziness. But was was that accepted
0: at the time or was it, hmm. was it put, how much pushback do you get for saying that? I don't know. Yeah.
1: Um, But I know Robert Glasper says that jazz is the mother and the father of hip hop. And I think the one o- he's the one other person I would point to after Winton to say that guy does a lot for jazz education and promotion of of the of jazz as an art form in in the world because he he does so much outreach to like make sure people understand the roots that jazz has the the, the hold that jazz has on everything that we do in music and he has a much more inclusive approach I think because. He grew up in Houston. Like Houston. It's like the slums. It's like not literally the slums. It's Texas. So but Houston's (laughs) the armpit of Texas. You know, it's not a nice I mean there's parts of it that are nice and then you walk two blocks over and it's the not nice part Mm -hmm, of town. mm
2: -hmm,
1: So mm -hmm. he understands.
0: It's it's like not the worst armpit, but it's an armpit nonetheless.
1: Right. (laughs) He understands hip hop in a more intimate way than Winton does, because Winton you know, he he comes from a much more prim and proper tradition, you know, of the New Orleans school of jazz, where sure, you know, swamp water runs through his veins, but he's definitely didn't grow up when hip hop was big. Robert mm-hmm. Glasper did. And so Glasper he approaches things with, you know, soft barriers. Like obviously there's a difference between jazz and hip hop, right? I can't say that jazz is hip hop and hip hop is jazz. And some artists wanna do that. They want to say all oh, barriers are dumb and all labels are dumb and all art is the same jazz is
0: korean pop
1: (laughs) there's there's gotta be a line right like you have to you have to understand that there's a difference between two art forms and i like my art form more than i like your art forms maybe but at the same at the at the end of the day they are all art forms so he comes at it with a i think what are more soft barriers like hey you gotta understand jazz is you know your music's granddaddy right you got to understand that this is what it is because of the influence of this but this is it's all its own thing right
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and
1: he's willing to accept influences and kind of let things evolve versus you know the Winton school thought is like hey that's not what we're doing here. This, what we're doing is what we're doing, and we've been doing it this way for the past 50 years. And you can live with it or you can go do something else, mm. right?
0: Mm. Well, and, well, what ha- I think what happens is when you, when something starts out small, like when you, in the beginnings of jazz, there was probably a rebellious side to that, to, to, the, to, type, to, to what it felt like and the way that it was perceived by culture. Because and I say that not because I have some vast knowledge of jazz. That's why you're here, but I say that because I. That's how everything starts, right? Starts out as this rebellious other, and everybody's like, ah, and people start to. The more open people start to to accept it and be okay with it, and then it becomes the establishment. To an extent, Mm -hmm. and then and then once it becomes the establishment people take that to be the normal thing that is supposed to happen. And then you entrench yourself in that ideology, which I think is maybe what he was doing a little bit. Uh, He's entrenched himself in the traditional ideology of the thing, and we have to preserve this. And if you go too far down that road, you have an inability to allow it to continue to evolve and continue to have the rebellious side, which is so important for anything to continue to grow.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and one of the harmful by byproducts of Winton's casting out, so to speak, of hey, you know, all all that you're doing is is not j- real jazz. Is he's turned swing into a conservative art form? Mm. He's he, he's made I hate swing-
0: conservative swing. That's the so
1: worst. So swing music used to be the 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 sound of freedom, right? It okay. was new, it was it was bouncy, it was light, it was it was electrifying, Get right? That, kids. People listened to swing music and they wanted to <laughs> tap their toes, they wanted to stomp their feet. They that wanted was, to go out and dance and that's that what they're like, supposed that was to do. Like, and,
0: that was like the death metal of the of the time. They were like, Oh my I'm gosh, sure. this is I don't know how to handle my I just have to flail, I'm gonna jump off the stage, I'm gonna punch somebody they had people on TV shows saying we can't do this. The parents are getting scared because their kids are listening to devil music. Am I? I'm probably a little off base. There is that. No, did it, I go too uh, far?
1: every new every new art form, every new form of music for in America for the longest time was like, oh, that's of the devil, right? Rock music is is demonic, and they do the devil horns and the six six six, and they use tritones, which are banned by the church, <laughs> and all this good stuff. Um,
0: that's so funny. Um, banned so, by the church.
1: <laughs> uh, we'll talk about tritones.
0: I, it was funny because um, like, like I'm a Christian. As a Christian, I hear that, and that's the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. It's so funny. Well, like, a, like, Ch- like a tone Catholic banned church. by the church.
1: Right. It's funny. So anyway, uh, no, uh, so swing has gone from Being the freest form of expression in America, the the representation of of our values of freedom and liberty and individuality. And it's become cookie cutter. Everyone knows how to do 700 different ride patterns, right? They can do Tony Williams. They can do Buddy Rich. They can do Max Roach. They can do, you know, whatever, right? Uh, Trumpet players can imitate Miles Davis. They can imitate, you know, um, God. I'm, so, I'm suddenly drawing a blank. I'm, I'm more a saxophone guy. <laughs> Another trumpet player? Another so. uh, trumpet uh, player? Maynard Ferguson. Um, I'm, I'm sorry.
0: You're running out of jazz names. I mean, you, saxophone, to be fair, can you've Dexter spouted off like 35 names, so I, it's, it's completely okay <clears throat> if you run out of names.
1: Saxophone art, saxophonists can imitate Dexter Gordon. They can in, imitate Paul Desmond. They can Im- imitate you know uh, John Coltrane. To an extent, Coltrane's improvisations got crazy towards the end of his days. Like, wow, uh, they can imitate Sonny Rollins, you know, Charlie Parker. You know, I mean, like, we we got we ran so we ran swing into the ground, and then instead of letting people pull their influence in, winds going, Eh-eh. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. as a byproduct of that, swing became less popular among jazz circles and now the popular th- thing to do uh is latin tunes we do lots of sambas and lots of bossa novas N- less bossa nova more samba more like you know aggressive latin music like more cuban less brazilian and then um we also like odd time signatures now mm. it's very common among like, oh that wasn't all, that wasn't jazz.
0: always a uh, sort of a staple of jazz no interesting no
1: Jazz used to be, you know, you had your waltzes, of course, and you had your, your Afro-Cubans, which were triplet feel, so one, two, three, four, one, instead of one, two, three, four. And, of course, in swing, it's one, two, three, four, one. You got your da-da-da-da-da-da yeah, da, yeah. da, swing.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, very simple, simplified. But, you know, the longer things go on, and the more conservative and the more in the past that Swing was, the more people were like, hmm, what if we did something in seven? What if we counted to seven? Like three plus four. Would that be weird, right? 30 what people's did... heads
0: exploded in the meeting.
1: Like what if we did seven plus six? So so four plus mm. three plus three plus three. Like, ooh, okay, and now they're now we're thinking like in terms of like – what if we did polyrhythms, right? What if I had one, two, three, one, one, two, three, one, two, right? It's like mm. I have four in one hand, three in the other hand, one.
0: And for for anybody who's it, not a musician, it's like the the traditional direction you're gonna go with your time signature, which is just the just, number you count to, is just gonna be one, two, three, four. You might count to three. And in most genres, that's about it. Or 6123456 four, four. I'm sorry, six, yeah, two, or two. six, right? So you guys like six, eight, but it's um it creates a distinct feel for the song. You change the time signature and you you change the song dramatically. It's a big Exactly. Difference. Then you have people then you had like he's explaining, then you had people who came around and was like, Let's count to seven. And mm-hmm. as even as a drummer, when you count to seven after you've learned to count to four for so long, it is it is insane. It's one of the craziest feelings. <laughs> and you have to you have to count again.
1: Like, I've had drummers cuss me out because I've written pieces in like, crazy time signatures. And they're like,
0: <laughs> what are you doing?
2: <laughs>
1: what are you doing? You are stupid. This is stupid. Yes,
0: man. Stop it. Like, All right, we're going to count to 48 today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that's just a multiple of uh, four. We're going to count to
0: 49 today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're going to count to pi. So one, so three, four with a stutter. Yeah, there
0: you go. There you go. One, two,
1: three. My wife had to. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one. It's like. I
0: was going to, I was going to get into some more time signature stuff, but I don't want to get too. I don't want to circle back in on ourselves too much. I don't want to get too Anyway, yeah, guess, this, is, this is
1: really niche. Anyway, the point of this is the artist will find a way. So creating barriers creates a restraint. And you know what artists do when given restraints? They work around them,
2: mm.
1: find ways to be different and to make their art uh, engaging and enjoyable um, within the restraints or without the restraints. So when Marcello says... You know you only you can always swing and jazz artists are like oh, no thanks <laughs> and so there's a dichotomy now of new musicians who still have an appreciation for the old uh but they want to do something different and they not necessarily i mean there are so many artists now like who have all manner of albums out and they're jazz musicians and not a single song on there is swung mm and to to an old head who has only listened to swing music his entire life his whole identity is built around big band he's thinking how he, that's like outrageous to him he's like that's not jazz but to us that's where the spirit of jazz has moved to that's what jazz is about freedom
0: mm. and it's, the it's, artists
1: found a way to move forward without the old
0: the establishment now is what you're saying which is like jazz is very it's the, it's the free form art. It's the it, part, piece of music. It's where musicians go and they're like, "Man, I'm tired of, I'm tired of uh, list trying to play, you know, rock music or pop, pop music." Progressions it over feel, and over again. You when you progress as a musician, you go, "Okay, what's what's next?" And you go, "Oh, I hear jazz is like the thing that you're supposed to do now," <laughs> and uh, and so it's it's the free yeah. But so I guess there are still people who want to keep it pretty conservative.
1: Absolutely. Everyone, there's always going to be people who are like, I want to stay back in the old, right? Cause that's mm. the way it it's always been, but it hasn't always been that way. Right. Yeah. Things change. Yeah. 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 So we, we gotta be, careful about the, the the changes that we make because those will have ripple effects down the road and who knows what kind of craziness will come from the music we're making today but at the same time we can't cling you know we can't clutch our pearls you know all our life and be like gasp like this is so mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's why it's important <laughs> to, to have Uh, diversity and the inputs that you're putting into your brain inputtingly but another part that i want to focus on is this whole equation is when the things that we look at on a daily basis are inspirations to us that they're meaning that whenever we're scrolling through instagram we're taking that into our brain or whether whenever we're listening to spotify we're taking that into our brain and it's falling into this stew of you know our our metaphorical creative stomach of influences and that allows us to be who we are as a creator Mm -hmm. so on some level we are naturally going to do that. Every creator is is naturally going to do that on some level or another. There's a spectrum. I think the more, I guess, conservative types would take in things that are closer to home while the more uh, open-minded types will take in things way outside of their bubble.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I guess the question is how do you strategically maximize the goodness that can come from that? Because I think we can fall into our groove inspired by the things that we're normally inspired by and we miss out on some meaningful influences so i think that this comes down to a little bit of structure in your inspirations that you're that you're saying i'm going to go watch a documentary about uh picasso today or i'm gonna go read i'm gonna read a book about um you know, 15th century paintings and allow that intentionally allow that to sink into my stew of creativity.
1: Well, yeah, I think it's important to force yourself to absorb and to consume new art and art that might necessarily not necessarily be the most comfortable for you, right? Like Mm. sometimes I'll find myself forcing myself to listen to albums because I'm a musician. So everything I do is music. Um, uh, mm-hmm. that I didn't like, mm-hmm. like, okay, I didn't like it, but it was real. Like it wasn't like, I didn't like it because it wasn't my bag. Let me listen to it again. Right. Mm-hmm. Or like,
0: and you can learn a lot from sync, you know?
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, there are so many times when there's artists who are inspired, I, I would say don't limit what your influences are like just absorb all of it even the stuff that you would think would be bad because the bad stuff you can still absorb what what you know you liked what you didn't like about it like okay i know i didn't like that so i won't do that when i'm when i'm when it's me putting my thoughts on when i'm you know pen to paper i'm not going to do the stuff that i didn't like right you can still absorb that
0: so well, and think I about why saying, you don't like it as well,
1: right? Absorb everything you can, um, and that maximizes your creative output because you're you have more things that you're taking in than just what you've decided to take in. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And I think, I think um, some of the best art comes from stuff that sounds stupid. Hmm. Like Layla Marshall, I, one of my favorites. I mentioned her earlier. She, her, my favorite album by her is a. It's called Babel, B A A, B E L, like Babel, like B, ba, like a goat.
0: Okay, and so Which all the instruments are sheeps. That's what I'm. No, getting this. so
1: the concept is she's trying to create an album that screams out into the world the same way that a goat does
0: wow all right so she started she that's okay so hold on we got to stick on that (laughs) so she picked a starting point she picked this so i think of a there's a, a snarky puppy album that is based around all of the forests around i think the world or in america i forget and the, and so each song is sort of connected to a forest And like I guess the feeling of the forest It's very right. interesting uh, So this is similar to that It's it's not starting from a place of what, what melodic brilliance can I create? It's, oh, I saw a goat standing in a tree And I heard the goat make a bah sound I'm going to make an album about that Which mm-hmm. I think is exactly what I'm trying to advocate for only be inspired by goats. That's what I'm trying to say. Carry on.
1: Yes, absolutely. No, but see, like if I were to pitch an album that way to Joe Blow, who listens to Katy Perry on his commute to work, he would be like, okay, sure. <laughs> Good luck.
0: <laughs> That's cool, if man. It, Good thought, luck. Yeah,
1: oh yeah. No, great. Yes. I'm so proud. Like, Enjoy. I'm so glad you enjoy that. Not like, but you me, do thanks. have
0: it. Like, you have a job, right? Like, are you stable? Is you're your, are you Are Are you? Can you hold down a? You know your house and if your family say, and everything. Like, no,
1: no, you don't understand. Like, this is actually like a really good album. Like, this album changed my life when I heard it. He'd be like, the one where she's trying to emulate the emotions that a goat is feeling <laughs> when it screams. That album, yes, that album, like.
0: Sure, I'll listen to that later. Thanks for the thanks for the yes, recommendation, absolutely. Austin.
1: Uh, but it's like people who aren't afraid to be weird, who aren't afraid to be dumb, who aren't mm-hmm. afraid to look silly. They create earnest things.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, like, and it's, it's and almost it that... almost takes an audacity from yourself mm-hmm. to question. Well, start off by questioning the way things are, but like find it takes an audacity to step outside and be okay with being laughed at or just the weird side eye you know like just all the little things that come along with being a divergent thinking person it's like embracing that that embracing that feeling and using it
1: or that's one of that's one of the things i like about Malcolm Gladwell mm-hmm are you familiar with him? He has a uh, podcast yeah, called he, Revisionist History. That's just awesome.
0: He was a yeah. He's a writer, right? He's got crazy yeah, hair.
1: Yeah, he has. He's got books. And, he does have crazy
2: hair. <laughs>
0: he's
1: got. He's got uh, tons of fantastic books. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing about he was a he was a reporter mm-hmm. before he wrote books, and people were like, "Dude, you need to write books." And he's like, "Okay." So, um, his philosophy. Most people think about everything is boring, right? Most things are just everyday. Everyday things are just you know, everyday things. It's Monday. And there's a few there's a few things in life that are interesting. And his philosophy is the opposite of that. His philosophy is everything is interesting. Mm-hmm. The way this shirt was made is interesting. The way that televisions, you know, transmit information is interesting the influence of the of the wealthy elite on how golf courses are made is interesting right like like everything is interesting and that's where how he channels and that's how he creates such engaging content because he finds things he finds intrigue and in things that you wouldn't think to find intrigue in mm-hmm. right and this has nothing to do with music, surprisingly enough. Wow, I reached out of my comfort zone. And Excellent, see that. we're doing it. So, but that's why that's one of the things I love about him. That's why I like listening to his podcast is because he'll he'll pull up something and throw it in my face, and I'll be like,
0: yeah.
1: "Bro, this is like Where did totally it interesting." Yeah. But how did you figure this out? Like, how did you learn that this is the interesting thing of the week? Right.
0: Well, Seth Seth so, Godin, who is. Uh and I think inspired by Malcolm Gladwell I think they're they they really like one another or one likes one at least Seth Godin has a podcast where he talks about I guess creativity and productivity and thinking thinking differently and being being different towards the market and same thing like he's pulling in f- facts about situations that happened in the 50s regarding business And I'm like, where did you get this from? How did you like, like he done the research. That's what he did. But it's so fascinating to me. I love that. I love people who have done their homework and they figured out a way to apply that to a message that they're trying to share with you. It's a really special thing. And I think that's a great example of, of being open-minded and allowing inspiration from different places to come in. But carry on. You were saying he, he, pulls things from different areas no that was all i had to say oh, okay great cool back to music uh, <laughs> he,
1: he did He didn't mention the word productivity for a second and i like, got kind of triggered Uh-oh. because i see i see um what's the dude's name gary Vaynerchuk. oh yeah he's on like he was on anchor awesome. and he was like the the anchor guy for a long time mm-hmm. and like everyone was like is gary v on anchor today
2: like oh my god
1: like he could be on anchor if he's on anchor, I want to like, I want to call in and like see if he could like shout me out or whatever.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Right. But I follow him on Twitter,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I'm sure I'm sure what he does works really well. <laughs> but everything he's so high intensity all the time, and he's just
0: like yelling at the camera. He's
1: like, you have no excuses. You're like, just like
0: can we uh he's he's such an interesting character so I, he is really cool I've but it's a, like I just get when I just hear
1: like hundred percent productivity all the time mm-hmm. I just get like my little weird OCD self with all my quirks and and yeah. you know productivity issues <laughs> I yeah, just start yeah. to like shrink in trouble
0: when I say interesting I mean that sort of uh technically because for one I I I, there is a part of him that I really love. I've met him and I, and like, he, I've never met somebody that's so present when you, when you speak to him, he's this guy who's running into, to 48,000 people a day and he has to shake their hand and give them a hug. And the the people are like, I love you so much. And my, you know, my dad has cancer and he has to figure out how to deal with that. And like, he's, and so he's an impressive guy on that level, but what can happen to those types of people is they can go, they can sort of be all over the place. They're entrepreneur types. They're just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I you're the you're person number three hundred and fifty five I've spoken to today, and that's your number. <laughs> he is so incredibly present. So that's a good so I, I have I like a lot of things about him, but there but he's not for everybody. He's like this is why he's interesting, is because he's very polarizing. Mm-hmm. There are people who love him and then there are people I literally sat in a room with a group of creators who were in my opinion, taking him way out of context and just just Mm. ragging on him because people can't handle when people don't speak to them in the right way, that makes sense. Like, I think this is a huge issue with like Donald Trump, for example. People can't quite, they're not okay with him because of the way he speaks and they miss a lot of other things about him. Um, And so, but he's an example of what i what what i'm talking about where people will in the creative realm hold on i think are you still there hello oh
1: we lost him it's not good
0: oh hello oh test we're gonna do this we're gonna make it through this trial these are the (laughs) stormy seas of life all right we're back i think oh heavens please hold and we're back. We had a bit of a conundrum there. There was fire and flames shooting out of computer or USB ports, but we're back in act Oh, Austin's dead. The troubles are not over. So we were talking about Gar- uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. What I was saying about him was what can happen is he's such a popular figure that people will focus in on the Gary Vaynerchuk way of doing business, mm-hmm. which, which he fights against. I, I don't think he wants that. He even says, I don't like, I'm a crazy person. You don't necessarily want to do business the way that I do business, which is good for good on, you know, that's a good thing on him. But he, but I've learned that there is, there, there are a lot of people who so fall into that. And I was sort of a victim of this for a little bit that. That you feel like you're not allowed to take a break and not necessarily because he said something that says you can't take a break because he's like, get, get sleep. Like, you know, (laughs) but there's this ethos that can happen in your mind, whether it's directly informed or not, that will put you in this box, which is very dangerous. Mm -hmm. And so I, I started realizing, oh, the way I need to do business is a little bit more needs to be a little bit more me centered. Like I need a break more than other people need a break, or I need a break in this way, in a way that other people don't need a break. Mm-hmm. So that's that's sort of the the praise and critique of the the Gary Vay- Vaynerchuk thing, and how I think it ties into what we're talking about.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But you were uh, but you were talking. What were you we talking about? before I, we diverted again because you were saying we were talking about Gary Vaynerchuk. You mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk, and then. I said things, and then. You, all right, moving on. So, we, <laughs> uh, so, so I think uh, I think that the stream of consciousness that we're putting into our brain is incredibly. It's it's important that we're intentional about that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, yes, yes. We were talking about how, um, I my point was that you don't really need to. I mean, obviously, I have a filter on what, because um, what goes down in the well comes up in the bucket, right?
2: Um, mm. My
1: dad said that. You know, what's what's down in the well Lies. comes up in the bucket. What's what's inside manifests itself. Yeah. At some at some point. So if you're you know looking at you know snuff films online, it's probably not the best thing to <laughs> to absorb into your creative process, right? Mm-hmm. But my point, within reason, is don't don't necessarily like limit the things that you absorb into yourself as a creator, as a person, as a creative, and as a person who, um, wants to say things into the world because you can always be inspired. I mean, gosh, I mean, modern films can still be informed by Shakespeare, right? Mm-hmm. And at the same time they can be informed by scary movie five, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you can, you can, you can get, goodness out of everything in anything that you decide to get goodness out of of course there are some things that are just horrible like i don't know i don't know uh pornography mm-hmm. like i don't know where you'd get in any artistic inspiration <laughs> from from that but um i mean yeah like you can still find like if you're if you're watching like i don't know little einsteins like a tv like a kid's tv show you can take you can take inspiration from the storyboard, from the way that they orchestrate the overall arc of the story because mm-hmm. everything has a story, music has a story, a painting has a story, um, movies.
0: And if you if uh, you books. open if you open your mind, you will find things that you gravitate to in the creation mm-hmm. process. I think.
1: And when I'm saying this, I'm speaking as much to myself as anyone else more so I guess to myself than anyone else because my one of my big deals is like I have my things that I like and I have to have my things and I, I can't deal with other things that I don't like like if someone's like I mean obviously if you show me something new and I like it like awesome but if someone shows me something that I don't immediately latch on to it's like yeah okay that's cool Awesome. All right. Okay, cool. Thank you. You can turn. You can turn. Oh, yeah. No, I think I heard this one already. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, you're versus, you know, critically listening and thinking and like actually being
0: engaged. Mm -hmm. Um, And like to the Malcolm Gladwell point, everything is interesting. It's your perception of it that makes it uninteresting. Mm -hmm. So the question is, how do you open your perception? to the things that are objectively interesting and make them subjectively interesting to you.
1: That's a good question. I don't know if I'll ever figure that out.
0: <laughs> I I think it's a, I think it's a f- matter of focus. I think it's a matter of presence, right? So when you watch a f- good example, okay, so this is a great example. If you're watching a comedian and the and you're like doing the dishes and you just kind of hear it across the room and the comedian is like your favorite comedian. Right. And you, when you first found that comedian, you had such a special experience with that comedian, they made you laugh and you peed your pants and vomited. It was great time. Wow. But now you listen to them and you're like, you're like, uh, uh, you know, every now and then you'll get a little chuckle. And some of that is because maybe you've heard their stuff before, or you're used to what it is. The, the flair, of, of the new relationship has gone. The romance has gone. You're past the honeymoon phase. But, uh, also I think part of it is your presence of mind towards that thing. Because mm. a lot of times you can go, you can stop washing the dishes, go sit down and be intentional towards saying to yourself, I'm going to laugh at this person. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to enjoy it. Like I know I can. And, you will start to find that's how you find the nuance right that's how you take it from a wide angle level and and turn it into a molecular level
1: i thought you were going to go a completely different direction with that analogy
0: oh okay well was it be- was the other direction no, no, better because no, i'll go that no,
1: way no, no 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 i thought this was really interesting the way people's brains works when you said i'm in the kitchen and i've got a recording of my favorite comedian on right my favorite comedy routine i thought you're going to be like it's a frame of mind right like you could be doing the dishes and being away, and you have it on the background. Since you know that comedian and you know his routine, you laugh at all the jokes. Mm. But if it was a new comedian who's maybe a little bit raunchier than you're used to or maybe uh, a bit more anti-joke-centric than you're used to, he's not the guy you like because you're not fully engaged with it because you're just doing the dishes and it's just on the background. You're not necessarily as receptive.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah. I think
1: both analogies work. I just thought point. it was a funny thing to note.
0: That's a great point. And, um, and I think that once again, it comes down to you focusing on trying to pull out the value in that person's routine. Now, mm-hmm. the question is how deep can you go? To, how divergent can you get? My mind seems to be pretty open because I, I've come across.
1: I don't know. I could show you some pretty crazy stuff. Right.
0: It's like, it's like, it's like <laughs> there are things that you have a very hard time getting over the barrier of like, this is not my thing. But, can't, but if you, let's say you listen to that thing on on repeat every day and you're looking at, like you're making the face like that would just be no, the most I'm, horrible I'm d- experience no. ever. No, no, no.
1: I know exactly what you're talking about, and I have a relevant XKCD comic to pull up for you.
0: Oh, okay, okay. So I'll no, f- keep talking. Hold yeah, hold on to that because I want to hear it. <clears throat> um, so y- you listen to that thing every day on repeat, and by day yeah, four or five, you're starting to you're starting to be more okay with it. You're starting to like it. Oh, this is interesting, right? I think that that is how things tend to work. I don't know where the limit of that is, though, because like I lean towards thinking that you can you can like almost any food if you if you eat it over and over and discipline yourself. If you create a you make it a habit, you can Mm -hmm. like your taste buds will like becoming a vegan. Yeah, like becoming a vegan, right? You train yourself to not like
1: meat anymore. Right, it's just psychologically you just turn off that part of your brain, even though meat is delicious, and I'll never ever give it up.
0: And it works in the opposite way because, for example, like sodas, your body, for all sorts of different reasons, you you crave the soda, and every day you drink it, and you're like, okay, this is it's like this nice mid level of this is really good. But if Mm -hmm. you for two weeks say I'm not gonna drink soda, you come back to that soda, what two things are gonna happen? One, it's it's going to be extremely sweet. You're going to be like, this is outrageous. Like, mm-hmm. Why did I like this? Like Ma- like Mountain Dew to me tastes like motor oil. It's ridiculous. Like it's just so much. And two, I don't know what motor oil tastes like, but I'm going to assume that's what it is. <laughs> I I'm, was hoping not. I'm, gonna make a, I'm just going to, you know, it's, it works sort of. It's a semi-well-founded analogy. Uh, but the other thing that happens is you stop craving it. And then you go, that then you look at that thing, that you now have had some distance from, and it's like a you know it's like a Diet Coke. This is the thing mm-hmm. that you once loved so dearly. You look at it now and you go, Oh that's so. I, I you have you have like zero craving. Like I used craving. to listen to
1: orchestral, uh, trailer music when oh. I was younger. Okay. You know, like I was like, like eleven, like twelve or thirteen. Yeah. I had this obsession with this group called Two Steps from Hell. Okay. At a guy named Thomas Bergerson and uh, it was a duo. It was one other guy. I can't remember his name. But they—they they literally just—and I ended up hearing the trailer music in trailers that I actually would see when I went to the movies. It was funny. But I like thought the epic—the epic style of music, like you know those YouTube videos, are like ten hours of epic music. It's like mm-hmm. yes it's like I would just put it on and I would study or whatever for my homework and, or I would play, on, you know, play video games online or whatever and just like have this epic music in the background. It was like so awesome. And now I listen to that music and I almost gag- I it was <laughs> like This is so cheesy. How yeah, did you yeah. listen to this? How did you like this?
0: Oh, this but lacks I... intellectual nuance. <laughs> How did I ever tolerate such peasantry?
1: But you know what? Those things, they inform your taste now. Like yeah. the kid who doesn't eat anything but chicken strips and french fries and chocolate milk at the restaurant, no matter what restaurant they go to, they'll grow up and they'll probably hate that stuff. And they'll probably be way more into – I mean I'm just speculating because mm. I don't know anything about psychology. But you know, I'm, I'm assuming that if you eat the same thing over and over and over and over again, you have two options. Either you never expand past that thing. And you only you're like the one guy who ate like a happy meal every day, like three times a day for his entire life. And it's like or you expand past that and you realize, wow, chicken strips and french fries are probably the most boring meal I could ever eat. Mm -hmm. Why would I? I mean, there's so I mean, at least like a mac and cheese every now and again,
0: you know, So well, I, I was gonna I was gonna add, but you basically added it. I think that you're absolutely correct. I think that you're gonna go one of two directions. I think that you're gonna be actually more disgusted by uh, diverse food types, which applies to art. Let everyone just apply all of this to, your, to art as we're speaking. You're gonna either be more this disgust- whole
1: conversation applies to right art, exactly, all of it, full stop.
0: Uh, you're either going to be disgusted by different types, by exotic food types, right? You like, you'll watch the National Geographic channel and they're like, this is the Chinese food market. They're eating a live squid that sticks to your like if you don't put the right kind of sauce on it it'll stick to your throat and you'll die which is actually there's some truth to that but anyway uh the you either go that direction or you go i'm i'm sick of this and i want to make a difference and then you become but like i have people in my family who when i mention the idea of eating like a squid leg or something like i've had squid jerky before and it's delicious
1: Really? Yes. I've never even heard of squid jerky. It came from where J- does one acquire Japan such an item? Yeah, I have to go to Japan. I can't like go to my local Asian market or whatever, well, like an H Mart.
0: You might be able to go to what they call the dark web. I'm just kidding. I, I think you can probably get it online.
1: <laughs> but is this whole conver- is this whole conversation just a plug for um, what is it? Unfriended dark web. Unfriended.
0: What or is it?
1: Do you remember that movie, the stupid movie called Unfriended, where the whole conver- the whole movie was a uh, Skype conversation, and I, they had a friend that committed suicide, and she haunted their conversation, like killed them all or whatever?
0: I never watched that because, quite frankly, it uh, I never the it premise was did not seem too enthusiastic. It didn't make me enthusiastic about Plus, it.
1: Curse of Skype.
0: Right now, I mean, I didn't want to. <laughs> so I, I want to be able one... to actually talk to you without being paralyzed in fear. <laughs>
1: Having having yourself possessed and put your hand in a blender while you're I, friends watching. I watch. hate
0: it when that happens, you know?
1: <laughs> the other uh, – so they're making a new one that's coming out this year called Unfriended. Is it – it's either Deep Web or Dark Web. I can't remember. But this guy finds this laptop in this cafe. It's got all these pictures and basically it's like this guy – it turns out he's a human trafficker or whatever. And so this guy like finds all of his like paper trail on the deep – on the deep web or whatever and so
0: it's an American story, really.
1: No, exactly. <laughs> and so all the all the friends get killed in horrible ways because this guy knows that he has his laptop and he's coming after him. And all of his, you know, tra- sex trafficking friends are like human traffickers are like coming after them and killing them all and whatever. And it's wow. like there's nothing you can do.
2: Yeah.
1: But it's, it takes place on a Skype conversation, yeah. much like the one we're having right now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you mentioned dark web, and so I was like, "That's oh, 2018. Are you plugging? Are you plugging a Blumhouse movie right now, James?"
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the whole premise of this are entire you, are conversation. You shil-
1: are you shilling for for Blumhouse productions?
0: Yeah, they're they're paying me. They're sending me merch. This is a, oh yeah,
1: unfriended merch. That's my favorite.
0: Yeah, it's 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 high quality material. But anyway, what I was saying was that. Uh, when I mentioned that to my family, that like the idea of eating a squid leg or, uh, avocados even, or, uh, what's another one? There's another one that I mentioned, the other, uh, quinoa, right? I love quinoa. He's gone again. I'll keep, I'll keep carrying on until he comes back. Quinoa is fantastic. And, uh, all these different things that if you live in California, it's very normal. It's vegan. It's, it's, it's. You're in a land where there's a lot of vegans and there are things that are culturally me? normal. Yeah, I was I was just carrying on until you came back. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh I was just I was saying that if you live in a place like California, there are things that are normal that are not normal in South Carolina, for example. And right. so when I mention eating things like avocados or quinoa Avocado toast? Or oh my gosh,
1: quintessential millennial items it's very important we, we just love to kill chilies and applebee's and eat our avocado toast
0: yes and mcdonald's and um <laughs> so where was that so if you if you like these things mm-hmm. there are people around you that will think that you are mildly insane for liking these things if you're in the wrong circles but oh he's gone again but if you don't, if, uh, if, uh, I forget where I was going with that. The point is, is that if you, the, the point is that people will criticize you for being creative in your choices.
1: Mm-hmm. Also going back to the whole, if you do the same thing over and over again thing, the comic I sent you touched on that point and how anyone who's like deep into that, into a thing becomes a connoisseur of that thing.
0: Okay. So break that down. No matter down.
1: how rid- how ridiculous it is. So the point the point he illustrates, I'll read I'll read the comic to you, and you can kind of post a, an image of it when when this comes up in the in the video mm. in the mm. podcast. It's an XKCD, and you have two two characters who are stick people. You have white hat who wears a white hat, and cue ball who wears no hat. He's just a stick head, stick okay. figure head, okay. a circle. i
0: mean So
1: uh, White Hat says, how do you stand this cheap wine? And Cuball uh, says, wine all tastes the same to me. Um, and White Hat says, you just never had good wine. If you paid more attention, you'd realize there's a whole world out there. And Cuball says, well, that's true of anything. Wine, house music, fonts, ants, Wikipedia signatures, Canadian <laughs> surrealist porn. Spend enough time with any of them, and you'll become a snobby connoisseur. So White Hat says, but some things that do have more depth than others. And QBall says, if you locked people in a box for a year with 500 still frames of Joe Biden eating the sandwich, by the end, they'd be adamant that some were great and some terrible. And White Dad says, you're exaggerating. And QBall says, oh, really? And then it cuts to a year later, and it's just a bunch of speech bubbles coming out of this uh, box. It says, sure, most closed mouth frames are boring, but in number four hundred fifteen, the way the man's jaw frames, the Mayo on his hand is pure perfection. And and then it gets cut off. What a surprise. You praising a Mayo frame listening to you. I think there was nothing else in the sandwich. Frankly, the light hitting Joe Biden's collar through the lettuce would put new, number two hundred forty two in my top ten, even if he had no Mayo on his hand at all. It's just about being a snobby, whatever about yes. anything you do.
0: It's yeah, well, it's about being a hipster of anything, right? <laughs> no, that's what. Yeah, it's it's a great example of what you. we do. I think that I think that conversation type of conversation is rather important, but it's also it can also turn into a parody of itself in a sense, like it is in the comic.
1: Also, one thing that's really fun that I love is it's a type of meme mm-hmm. on the internet. Is people post uh, jazz reharmonizations of videos on YouTube?
0: Oh, okay.
1: So like you'll have a guitarist or a bass player it's with like seven strings. Like a more strings.
0: sophisticated auto tune.
1: Not really. No.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> like like the auto tune so, videos, I mean, right where they you're... don't
1: auto tune the video. They no, no, they no. harmonize the video on their instrument. They... they play along to the video
0: oh okay 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 yes i see I see. see i was so, thinking like, of those videos where it's like you know hide your kids hide your wife like it turns into it's like a little no
1: that's like songify that's different. songify there we go yeah so
0: but people call um, it auto-tuning it which i know that's not the technical term like i know the technical term for auto-tuning is uh, an effect that you put on your voice but right that's what people call it
1: anyway i'm trying to fi- i'm trying to find this video there's like videos of like People, anyway, you just take like a a Simpsons clip, like someone's. I guarantee multiple people have done. You know the uh, the steamed hams video. Do you know steamed hams?
0: No, I should though. Sounds great. Uh, I've seen somebody do this on this. What I think you're talking about on uh, drums, where they'll somebody will be talking, and they'll make the drum. Beat or the fill go with mm-hmm. the talking.
1: Right. So look, I think this is it.
2: <laughs> it's
0: quite satisfying.
2: Fast
1: food and my own anyway, I don't want to take up too much time, but the idea is that they he takes a, a like the dialogue and yeah. he plays plays it on his guitar. It's really funny. Well, that's but an like example
0: you, of how perform like performance arts and being a, you know um, stage plays and TV shows they're they're very much musical in their execution. Like yes, and the
1: other thing is you repeat the, with the way they get that effect, the way he achieves being able to play a scene from The Simpsons on the guitar is he listens to – he'll just play like a five-second section of it over and over again until he has the rhythm and the yeah. m- melody in It's his just head muscle because, memory at that point. And, and you just hear it over and over again, and it and just becomes – you know how when you say a word over and over again, it sounds really, really weird? Right,
0: right, 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 right. yep.
1: It's the same thing with a clip of a video. Like the word you just the, hear it. The, right. The. The. It's, the 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 I've the.
0: always thought that words are so interesting because they're just sounds coming out of our mouths in, right. in theory we just know what they mean and they they sort of tra- they transform into something very specific to us that that is a word it's a thing that we associate with something but the word the or the or that <laughs> or hammer like hammer <laughs> a weird word hammer like Hammer. it's not even the the more weird words that I care about. Like aardvark, obviously that's a strange word. Oh, that's funny. Okay, oh, listen, far.
1: stop. Right, start let me start you right there. Okay. If I took a um if I took a recording, a clip of you saying aardvark, obviously that's a weird word. Right, right. And I just like put it in my right. headphones and just played <laughs> Yeah. It, played that over and over again, I could probably figure out a way to to replicate it on the piano and then I could like just play on play a video of you saying that on the piano that with sounds me on the like piano a great
0: twitter video that i would retweet <laughs> <laughs> so look at that's, that. that's how
1: they get that's how they get that is they repeat it over and over and over mm-hmm. again and that's the same thing with the connoisseur thing is like you're just like you f- have 500 still frames of joe biden eating a sandwich and and nothing else and you lock people in a room for a year and they just intensely scrutinize every aspect of every still frame of this mm-hmm. man just eating a sandwich. When otherwise, you just like, the, oh, it's just a picture of a man yeah. eating a sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, right. no, this isn't just any ordinary picture of a sandwich. This is frame number 242.
0: Mm-hmm. I love how we're writing on this theme that we started with a second ago, which was <laughs> that everything is interesting mm-hmm. if, if you are able to tune your mind to it. And we're going all sorts of de- like we're now we're going into like scrutinizing pictures because we're snobby art people. But it started in a place of like, if you want to appreciate something, <laughs> if you want to appreciate something,
1: then all all people who are interested in random things are snob. Don't do a word they say about anything. They can't be trusted. all artists. All art is subjective. There is no objective morality. Art is worthless.
0: Yeah. People
1: just don't be an engineer. Be a doctor.
0: Yeah, they're all freaking socialist communists. That's what they are? Uh,
1: <laughs> go go get a business degree. That's what you really want.
0: That's what you need. Get out of your get out of your <laughs> lesbian <laughs> dance theory. <degree.
1: laughs> lesbian dance theory. That's got to be a fantastic band name. I got a that down. That's a great name. Lesbian dance theory.
0: Yeah, I heard one the other day, but I can't remember what it was. So that's a letdown. Uh, um, so another thing. I got I, a good one. Oh, okay.
1: Um Himalayan Pink Mountain Salt Grinder.
0: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Saving, They'd have to acronym that, that for sure, but that's beautiful. Okay. So I wanted to the next thing that I was I was interested in sort of diving into is within the realm of diversifying your creative influences, mm-hmm. there I think there are different types of inspiration where you have your daily and spend, this is semi well-rounded. I'm, you know, I'm just kind of spouting off, but there are the normal everyday inspirations that we take in. When we're scrolling through Instagram, we're listening to Spotify. If you're a musician or you're watching on YouTube, you're watching covers, you're watching amazing performances. There's the normal level of inspiration and and there's, there's a, a meter of intensity on how much it inspires you and like on the higher end these are the things where you watch a video and you're like i've never seen this before and i'm going to integrate this into my life somehow on the lower end it's like it's it's your every yeah it's your everyday uh influence and it's just something that you like you probably know you like it you've been listening to it for a while at one point it could have been high on the meter now it's just you know it's in a pocket but i also think that there are higher level of inspirational experiences mm-hmm. i guess this can go all the way up to the to the inspirational presence of god type of experience but it can also you're on, you're on
1: lsd you're just lying <laughs> on your back and you're like this is it this is the inspirational apex right here this,
0: this, I, this is the gateway I'm to the so ether
1: inspired
0: there yeah there's that or there's also going to like for me if I go see like even a a play i'm not I'm not much into like musicals and plays. I rarely go, but this is kind of the point that I'm so inspired by different forms of art that I could go to a a musical some sort of some sort of small town semi small town rendition of the Phantom of the Opera. oh we can get into that. I know we had careful. You, we were having a little Twitter <laughs> conversation about that uh, the other day, but I could go to this event. And have an experience that is really powerful for me because it's just well done. It hit the right buttons. I was at the right point in my life, and the the people who are performed are just so masterful over their craft. And it's something that I come out of that going, okay, I'm gonna do something with this. This is big, you know. Obviously, I'm not gonna become. I'm not gonna try to play Raoul in Phantom of the Opera, but I'm gonna go. That's his name, right? Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, but I'm going to integrate this into something else I'm doing, into my photography, which might sound weird to some people, but like I'm going to find a way to integrate that into my art. And it's, mo- it's a moving experience. So I, I, I guess is a, what I'm trying to advocate for is that it's important to schedule those types of experiences in and that they also okay. be divergent in, yes, their, absolutely. Their nature.
1: Now, having said that, what about art forms that you just absolutely wrong. do no. not get?
0: You don't that get. Just okay, make
1: no sense at all, because I consider myself to be pretty open-minded, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I listen to forms of art that I listen to music. And my dad is like, "This is dumb. Like, why are you into this?" Right? He's like, "I don't get. I don't get it." That's right? the plight that's of cool. the creative people I think. are allowed people are allowed to not get things, right? That's the other thing. It's like people get so personally offended nowadays. If you if you don't like what they they like, like people are like,
0: oh, "Beyonce is the greatest of all time." I have a theory for why that is. I think it's because it's such a it's such a rich, meaningful experience to us that when mm-hmm. other people don't get it, it's it's like, it's offensive to the sensibilities. How could okay, you Okay, so not?
1: when someone takes a dump on what you like and say, this is garbage, you are dumb for liking this, yes. that's when I get personally offended because right. then it becomes a personal attack on my taste, right? right? But if someone says, hey, this is in my bag, like, I just don't like it, I'm not going to be like, you have to, I have to like it, how can you not like it? Well, right?
0: for, for me, what it is is, is like not, not a sort of anger like you have to like it, it's, it's I, I want to figure out how to get you to get this. Like it's, I need you to understand how important this is. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's so, it's so horribly unfathomable <laughs> to me that you don't mm-hmm. get it, which right. is, which is it, it's a silly <laughs> mindset, but it's, it's right. funny well, how that works. The other thing,
1: the other side of that coin is absolutely like when people don't give it a chance, right? Yeah. Like when I'm like, trying to show you something that i think is really cool and you turn it off like if i'm you turn it off before you even get to the good part right mm-hmm. like it's like you're not going give it a chance mm-hmm. you're not gonna mm-hmm. l- listen to it like mm-hmm. let's listen to the whole song right yeah. i'm not asking you to like it i'm just asking you to try it right um what was i saying
0: well that's a uh... The I don't know what you were saying, Austin. It was great though. we talking Everything about. Everything you're saying was beautiful.
1: <laughs> we're talking about Phantom of the Opera, right? You and you were saying how. Oh 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 oh, oh yeah. What about What about things that I don't get? Right. Hmm. So and people are allowed to not get things.
0: Oh, you're saying it's like almost it. like what you're doing is on uh, is, is what you're, you're I think you're saying your dad is doing, but almost but on another level, it's like you're you're pretty open minded. But um, did, to my things... to,
1: to his credit, my dad is very open minded as well. Sure. He listens to a lot of stuff that I would consider to be out there. Sure, sure, um, sure. but I listen to more out there stuff than he does. <laughs> mm. Um
0: So there was is there some sort of art form that you consider to dancing. be Dancing. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Dancing. Dancing.
1: Okay. I have a friend who's a ballet dancer. I love ballet. Ballet is beautiful, but I love ballet because of the music, right? And the dancing is really cool. Like I like choreography. Uh, Hip-hop. Hip-hop is awesome. Hip-hop dancing, I'm totally going to get – my brother was a hip-hop – he wanted to be a hip-hop dancer when he was little. Very, very cool. They're very talented individuals. I was part of an experimental music ensemble in college a couple semesters ago called the New Music Ensemble. And um, their philosophy is basically just free, just whatever it is that you do, follow it to completion, follow it, uh, you know, follow that path and see where it leads you. And then um, once you're done with it, you know, learn from it and move on. Um, it's very cool, very relaxed. It's less of an ensemble where we're performing together and more of a class where the professor just kind of like is like, okay, what are you working on? What idea is this? Okay, how do you develop this idea? Okay, maybe you don't want to – maybe to fill this theme more, you want to be less busy here and you know, you know, know, bring the dynamics up or down. I don't want to get like doing a technical mm-hmm. jargon with you. But like essentially it was like a class. So I actually wasn't part of the ensemble. I kind of sat in on a couple of the classes because I thought it was interesting um, when I had free time and I didn't have free time. And then at the end of the semester, they had a, a concert and they didn't have enough pieces. So they needed to fill time. So they contacted me They're like, hey, you got any pieces that you could possibly contribute? So I had a couple a couple electronic.
0: I'm working on a little
1: thing about a goat. <laughs> about a goat. I had a couple of uh, electronic piece of electronic music that I had pretty much completed and they were just sitting on my hard drive and not doing anything so I was like sure I'll just throw these at you what do you how do You like them and part of the concert was that they the new music ensemble was partnered with the dance school at the college and these dancers um they wrote choreographies to all of my pieces of music that that they would so that the performance was a, the recording that, that I had made and then the dancers dancing to that and I don't know but like this whole new age kind of dancing is just like it's all cliche because the dancer it looks like a very painful form of yoga like mm-hmm. they're always like doing yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like okay great but like Where is the rhythm? Where is your? I mean, you're doing the same thing over and over again. Only listening,
0: it it looks like he's swimming through pudding.
1: (laughs) It's like you roll on your back and you come up and you like.
0: Yeah, but you're you don't understand, Austin. You're experiencing a new birth. That's what it looks like.
1: (laughs) Right. So I. I mean, on the one hand, like more power to you. Like. Good job. Like, honestly, I'm happy that you found something that's fulfilling and that you enjoy and that is a way, an outlet for you. But on the other hand, there is, I'm not experiencing, and I don't, I don't think I'm alone. I don't think most people experience a visceral connection to that particular form of dancing.
0: Oh, it's because shots it's, fired. It's oh, like, man. I don't. know. This is heavy, man.
1: Let me be the last person on Earth to to tell someone that they are not a legitimate artist. I just I never want to be that guy. But I I just don't understand. Like I'd love to see the come from someone who is that kind of dancer because there was there were some um, moments during watching them and I had never seen them do their choreography before. That when I, the night of the performance was the first night I saw them do this. But they were all doing the same thing, and this one lady who was kind of seemed like the older kind of like leader of the group, she was incorporating like elements of ballet and other styles of dancing beyond just the weird free movement of your body portion. And she was probably – the stuff that she incorporated from other styles of dance was the most interesting stuff I saw mm. for the, throughout every choreography. I had like three or four songs I contributed. Everything else was just all kind of samey. I don't know. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I guess. What is your advice for someone like me who is like I've, I've sat down, and I, I have a philosophy. I'll try anything once, right? Mm. I'll, I'll listen to it. I'll look at it. I will, I will be more than happy to give it a test drive just to make sure that I don't like it at the very least, right? Mm. And I've, I've tried and tried and tried to like delve into this form of music and this form of dancing and it's like and oftentimes they're dancing to like pop songs and stuff like hello by adele or uh, say something mm-hmm. or what is that other one um i'm a little unsteady Ho- hold hold on to me because i'm a little unsteady it's like <laughs> so dramatic and yeah. so cheesy it's like
0: oh. yeah so that's my-
1: the that that's the kind of My advice
0: my advice is marijuana. That's it. (laughs) That's all it is. I mean that's how you that's how you that's how you that's how you enjoy that, man. It's the only way. Smoke a little doobie, show up to the show.
1: (laughs) Whoa, this is all Yeah. Did you see it?
0: It's. Uh, I'm. I'm just gonna say that it becomes much more interesting when one person turns into eleven identical people doing the same motions. You know what I mean? I don't think. I don't think it changes the game.
1: Is a mind altering drug in that capacity? Oh, I don't know. Unlo- I wouldn't know how to insert you it, mar- you marijuana
0: it. into my body. Okay. Hi. We wanted to cut out a little part where we went into an intense political. <laughs> Uh, conversation about <laughs> wonderful exciting things but it just got way off the rails so we're gonna jump back into Artland, land and uh, we were talking about some things about ballet and how austin just loves ballet and it's his favorite art form and particularly Absolutely. the interpretive jazz ballet jazz interpretive dancing where you're you're coming out of an egg that's the motions that you're making i'm, mm-hmm. I'm the sprouting of the flower right all right. of that there's no melody the mighty oak tree that that is your favorite art form that was what we were getting at absolutely
1: absolutely 100%. Uh, but you were
0: you were saying just a second ago when we were talking about jumping back into this thing that you wanted to say something go ahead and say that thing um i just had
1: a thought about um we're we were just talking about fringe right mm. how things get out there like an interpretive dance for me it's just like so weird but it's not it's like it's not a fringe thing cuz it's popular right like people like it but mm-hmm. i've been thinking like how the fringe and we touched on this earlier how the fringe informs the popular
0: oh interesting right? yeah
1: because at one point jazz was fringe right mm-hmm. and then jazz became the popular mm-hmm. form of music in america at one well, point i would
0: argue that it's still pretty fringe for most normal people
1: but it it, will, it, looped, it it came full circle
0: okay okay i see
1: it's fringe again gotcha right uh it was the popular art form and then the 70s happened and by the time the 80s rolled around and everyone had a collective wake-up call and they were like oh my god what have we done mm-hmm. it was too late and jazz wasn't popular anymore and we were overtaken by hip-hop mm-hmm. And not that there's anything wrong with hip hop, but if
0: if it came down to either
1: hip hop or rap or, or hip hop or jazz, I would probably pick
0: jazz. <laughs> hip hop or rap. What do you which one do you keep? Uh oh. oh the choices.
1: No, slips of the tongue, man. Uh, Freudian slips, when you when you say one thing when you mean your mother. I mean
0: another. I <laughs> that was a good one. I like that.
1: I didn't make that up. <laughs>
0: So Um, I was was curious, I think a good spot to end up with this, good thoughts by the way, I think a good spot to end up with this is when it comes to inspiring yourself, trying to be diverse in your inspirations, I think it's also important to be meaningful in your inspirations and that you don't settle for things that are just pretty and nice, but that you try to find deeper you try to find a deeper purpose for what you're trying to be up to
1: i think it's important that you pay attention to the you like like if you hear something yeah. that catches your ear or you see something like you watch a movie and you're like that's so cool that is so clever don't be afraid to like, take that
0: right right because you, I mean, you don't have to take in every single influence ever right there's a reason you like things i mean it's probably because they're they are incredibly interesting and maybe more nuanced artistic things uh Shayi do...
1: Perry, yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Okay, uh, uh, oh man, pop artists, you know, like
1: I was gonna say, uh, like Michael that, Bay, that, that one with the
0: the black like, one,
1: Transformers.
0: Oh yes, yes. There's definitely but, a nuance to the way that the shot is framed at the beginning of that one. You know what I'm talking about? It's very, it's a very special thing, and then all the explosions. It's my favorite kind of filmmaking. No narrative, all explosions.
1: All explosions.
0: <laughs> so it's really special. The explosions
1: so, are the narrative.
0: Yes. Yes. I, I think In you fact, put it, you know what? I people think... people don't understand that. You're absolutely right. The explosions <laughs> are the narrative. If I could get all of my friends to understand that <laughs> <sighs>
2: You know,
1: Jesus. screw Christopher Nolan and Quentin Tarantino. Well, Quentin Tarantino is of the school of explosions or the narrative, too, I think, a little bit.
0: Yeah, they're just. Chris
1: Nolan. Um, What's the name of that guy? He directed Ex Machina. And um, I think he did Annihilation. Oh, I, should,
0: I should absolutely know this because I know Ex Machina is supposed to be a legendary. Alex, film Alex Garland. Okay. Alex okay.
1: Garland. Okay. Yeah, those guys.
0: Yeah, they're, Michael they're, Bay, the they're explosions. Just trying, they're just trying to be Transformers.
1: You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, so this is an interesting point because we're obviously both mocking Transformers as being a, a low bar. I don't know what you're talking form. about. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're both saying like Transformers,
0: that's low bar, right? Mm. But what makes it... That is a great question. That is a... F- Beautifully great question. <clears throat> I think the the reality of it is that it is art just like all the other things are art. But it's made up of things that we are whether we realize it consciously or subconsciously, it's made up of things that sort of repulse us, right? So when so with Transformers, a critique of it would be that it's so focused on trying to make money that it lacks creative ingenuity, or it lacks the depth that, you know, great Tarantino film w- could hold. And many other different things like that, right? It, or maybe the, maybe it feels so formulaic, right? right? Like pop music, pop music is another fantastic example of something that musicians have a really hard time with because it has been p- proven that it's a very formulaic expression at this point, because it's designed to do things that is designed to do things that are opposing our values as artists or are opposing our values in the, in, in the, the sort of hierarchy. Shout out,
1: honorable mention to cri- contemporary Christian music too.
0: Oh, Just throwing that out there. <laughs> I was watching a, a video critique of Christian. So, so so I grew I grew up in this world, and I have I have high oh, critiques yeah. for Christian music. Yes. Oh man. Uh, so yes, it, Christian contemporary Christian music falls into this the same realm that pop music falls into, which okay. There's so, a lot oh, of I, there's a lot of formulaic uh, sort of industry conveyor belt kind of feel to it. Go ahead.
1: Yes. No. So I think what makes What makes it lower, what makes it less than, is its lack of risk. Mm. I think there's a certain element of art that we love that is risky. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, this is just a hypothesis, but I think the reason that things like pop music, contemporary Christian music, that, you know, pop movies like Transformers and uh, The Fast and the Furious, Mm. they just like... Uh, what's something else that's like,
0: like a popular movie?
1: No, no, no. It's just like another art to draw from another art form. This is like super formulaic and Uh, dull and boring. So
0: in the photography world, like I think the Instagram landscape travel photography is just, is, is, is very samey. You had this shot of the feet hanging out of the helicopter or it's the shot of the golden gate bridge from the same angle that we've seen 195,000 times
1: yes yes okay there's that's yeah but like there's something to be said for the value of doing something not reinventing the wheel necessarily right if someone does something that you like do that thing the way they did it right because that that obviously Mm works but at the same time people take that philosophy and they just run it into the ground Uh, because they know that it's safe because people have liked it already Mm -hmm. and so they're like People liked it before. Let's do it again, mm. and again, and again, and again, and again. And eventually, it it becomes so. Our world becomes so saturated with it. Mm. Like for instance, well,
0: they turn it um, into a bag of potato chips. Like, like it becomes no, <laughs> no you, bag of potato chips never me. gets
1: old. Listen,
0: bear with me. No, but <laughs> no, I'm saying they turn it into they turn it into something on a shelf that looks exactly like the thing next to it. But because mm-hmm. they can look at the, they can look at the numbers at the end of the year and say, all right, we're still making, we're still making 75% as much as we made last year on this product. So let's keep doing that. Cause if we tried to make avocado chips, it would probably go to zero. <laughs> like we don't want to take that risk and creativity right. is by definition risk taking.
1: Mhm. Right. So like in pop music, a big thing. Remember when dubstep was huge? Dubstep was a big phenomenon and everyone loves to make fun of it. There was a Key and peel video that was really popular about these two guys moving and every time this guy played his music, it was dubstep and the guys got a nosebleed and everything went crazy. <laughs> and All the boxes started flying around the room. That was fun, right? Everyone like to make fun of Skrillex yeah. and dead mouse cuz oh so it's just a
0: noise you know, the video right. that i i don't know if it was ever made and it, if it, if it wasn't it's really a shame is like Skrillex walking around recording the sounds for his dubstep song cuz i could just picture him with like a zoom mic walking up to a car and like setting off the car alarm mm-hmm. and then going i don't know going up to like a construction site and recording that and then there's a bird and he's going to slow that down and play it backwards. You
1: would love some of the sound design channels that I follow cuz there is guys who literally they they make sound effects for a living. Like, they like do sound design for like video games. He's like today we're going to we're going to make a ray gun sound out of everyday objects. And he just goes and walks around his yeah, his yeah. neighborhood and just records stuff mm-hmm. and then he pitches it up or down or like slows the speed or whatever and and he like runs it through some effects and then you got a ray gun sound out of a radiator and, you know, a cat meowing and like, you know, the wind, it's like crazy.
0: Yeah. I watched the video, I watched the video the other day of there, there, it was a breakdown of the scene from star Wars, phantom menace. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not phantom menace. Uh, the third one, crap, revenge, revenge of of the Sith. There we go and it... i'm a
1: massive star wars bird. excellent <laughs> i just outed myself
0: all right let's let's stay somewhat on track okay because <laughs> i could also go down that rabbit hole you. i've watched endless youtube videos about ex- expanded universe okay so let's control oh, like, ourselves oh, here. oh the clone
1: wars are back the clone wars are coming but, back oh like the show the show oh. it's coming back
0: oh my god they just
1: announced it recently
0: oh oh, oh heavens <laughs> there's this a trailer and everything this is big it's a big moment we're drifting ah! uh what was this saying oh yeah so the mustafar scene the most uh, the fight between obi-wan yeah and the Anakin. big
1: climactic fight where right. they're killing each other with, with blue lightsaber versus blue lightsaber which they never done before
0: ah yes and so they you know they it's a lava planet there's lava everywhere and the the scene it's, it's only a couple of minutes long um and I see myself at the bottom. <laughs> this is intentional. <laughs> Are you intentionally showing me my own face at the bottom of the screen? <laughs> okay. I, I.
1: I don't know. I remember the Lego Star Wars episode or video uh, level was a little longer than that.
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, but the, what they did in the film was they mixed it in with a bunch of other scenes, so that actual scene is really short. But mm. the the it video ta- it takes
1: longer because it's spliced between other scenes.
0: Right. So I'll have to send you this video, because you'll- How to assume... pad
1: your runtime on 101.
0: Mm, exactly. Now that I know, then don't forget the 11 commercial breaks. Uh, but I'll send- On a movie? Now that, yeah, now that I know. <laughs> if you're watching it on Fox. If you're watching
1: it on YouTube, then they start breaking not, it. You... Like it's a two minute video you watch. That. You have to watch a three
2: 30 second.
0: <laughs> you, <laughs> you, have have the... The... <laughs> you have to You have to play a playlist <laughs> of videos uh, and they're all in 240p.
1: So, no, the, no, no, no. The ads are full HD. The video itself is two forty. Right. That's so, yeah. The they're ads drawing are a connection.
0: Beautiful quality. Ads oh are God. crystal clear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's be honest. But, but uh, oh, and and also they have it zoomed out. The audio is pitch shifted or slowed down. They have a picture of like a like a like a horse on a landscape so that it doesn't get content uh you know the youtube doesn't yeah, pick content, it
1: up content flag
0: right so okay so mustafar scene and this this is a documentary short documentary i think from maybe one of the dvds of everything that went into making that scene from every department on the set or uh, on the set and <laughs> post-production oh bless you oh heaven thank you Uh, pre-production production production, post-production all the teams that went into it and this documentary is an hour long for a sequence that's like a couple minutes wow and it was amazing because they went through uh they went through you know like i said pre-production they all all the the team of people on set you have the camera guy you have the focus puller for the camera you have was it
1: on a soundstage or was it like do they have like actual props they actually went
0: to mustafar the planet it's a real place.
1: <laughs> so, like, I wonder how much of it was green screen and how much of it was, was I'm going to stand on this prop lava rock. It you know was, what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was 80. It was, Okay. So I'll put it this way. The stuff where they're interacting with the environment is all green screen. But the set, this is interesting. I think people don't realize this because they criticize Star Wars for being overly green screened in the prequels. But the set that they built for, to represent Mustafar, the planet, which is, you know, volcanic planet, there's lava. That was actually a miniature real version of the planet. They actually ran this like, uh, like gooey fluid stuff through there and made it look like lava it looked like real lava. And they took the cameras and hovered them down. Like, so You remember the part in the scene where the arm that they're on falls into the lava?
1: Oh, yes. That's a cool scene.
0: Yeah. So it hits the lava. You know, all that. That whole fight was awesome.
1: I loved that
0: fight scene. Yeah, yeah. And it was, I mean, it was so emotional. It was such an emotional part.
1: Well, you have less of an emotional connection because... Hayden Christensen was a piece of cardboard in that whole movie trilogy but
0: <laughs> oh, okay oh, well that's another r- route to go down uh, but he so it, it was hits, a good
1: fight scene it was really yeah, it engaging hits, action
0: well so people critique it because they think that it because it's screen screen and because it's so overly choreographed I guess that it lacks like one of my biggest critiques of most action movies is it lacks risk like And what I mean by that is you have these movies where the people are fighting and they're dodging. They've dodged so many bullets and they've fallen 150 feet so many times and didn't even get hurt that you're like, nobody's going to die here. Right. This is nothing's going to happen. But anyway, so the the it falls into the lava. There's a wide shot of it drifting down the lava river. So the lava river and everything you see in that wide shot is made up of uh, except for the the actual thing floating down that's CGI but it's made up of a real <laughs> set miniature set that's been built much like the older Star Wars movies right which was like a legendary part of the older Star Wars movies Is he yeah, I love a,
1: the old Star Wars movies
0: Yeah and they're all practical they're all practically built little miniature versions of star destroyers and stuff but so you cool. see you see the the real set and then you see all of these extra cgi layers layered on top but what's interesting is the lava this was blew my mind the lava for the uh for the they actually went and got volcano. real lava. yeah they actually went to there was a a mountain literally there was a <laughs> they bought they brought yeah they brought lava and poured it over the actors and they had they had to like clone hayden christensen like five times it's no. like
1: the Prestige all over again. <laughs> Cl- oh, I just spoiled the Prestige for all of oh, you who haven't no. seen the Prestige. I'm so sorry.
0: uh So, the lava in that scene—you were close. They went, and there was a volcano eruption that that was happening as they were filming the movie. And George Lucas says, "Like, get on a plane. We're sending you to this country." I forget wh- which volcano it was. Mount Edna, I think it was was erupting. They filmed it and all all the sh- the lava shooting up in the background that you see, that it's all real footage of a volcano.
1: Oh my goodness. Erupting. That's awesome. Is not that nuts? I have a newfound respect for that movie now yeah. because I thought it was kind of lame, honestly.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that,
1: that, that scene is it that made that whole sequence is just
0: Mhm. It made me respect the the scene more and the prequels more because I well of course
1: to, it takes a village to make a movie of that magnitude Absolutely. regardless of how how bad the actual end product is they actually had to put in the work it's the same with Transformers like all those giant robots they had to actually find someone to go and animate all of that and they had to have people managing the sets mm-hmm. So and they had to have location scouts they had to have prop builders they had to have costume designers they had to have all this craziness
0: well, so get this. I mean, the one of the things you have to do when you're key, what's called keying out a green screen in the background, mm-hmm. which means you cut the people out of the screen. So yeah, right. <laughs> it's a green movie. <laughs> uh, you cut the people out of the, the shot so that the green screen has gone <clears throat> and the people are still there, right? Uh, so that's called rotoscoping. And they have a person who her job is to be the rotoscoper. She cuts the people out for the green really? screens. Yeah. That's from, all From she the does. green screens, rather. That's I believe that's all she does.
1: My brother does that and more when he makes his videos. Exactly. That's he the rotoscopes thing. His all, all of his stuff. He puts on all the effects and everything. Yeah. You have a person whose sole purpose is to just rotoscope.
0: Well, they, they have a person whose sole purpose is to pull focus on the cameras, which is, if you make YouTube videos, that's a crazy idea <sighs> because you like <laughs> what is it's it? all gorilla like it's for one it's autofocus but if you are pulling focus you're holding the camera and pulling focus at the yourself. same time right these films have people who their only job is to make sure the focus is is sharp so you'll see this in this video in this documentary that covers the entire expanse of them creating the scene well, now
1: i'm inspired we're talking about interdisciplinary inspiration i was so- i'm inspired to have a whole s- suite of music that's all just every person just does one thing i'm writing this down right
0: now yeah 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 i like it wait isn't that called a band
1: no, like, I mean, obviously it's a band, but
0: everybody <laughs> when, knows. when
1: everyone does exactly one thing and that's their only job, Okay, no one does multiple things at once, which musicians are very good at. We're good at multitasking, right? Yeah. Especially rhythm and percussion people. We're good at, I'm a pianist. I have 10 fingers and I have two feet that I use to work three pedals and 88 keys all at the same time, right? Mm. That's not including if I'm doing some weird free jazz stuff where I'm, like, banging on the side of the piano or, like, plucking the strings with my fingers or whatever, right?
2: Which I don't do that very often. I don't do that often enough. It's
1: fun. Well,
0: Musical suite. In word. most uh, bigger bands, well, I'll, I'll reverse it. In most smaller bands, the drummer will go and set up his own drum set at the gig, right? Right. But in bigger bands, you have a guy who's called the yeah, drum Yeah, like Yeah, and he sets up your drum set for you and you just show up and play right like and maybe in smaller t- bands you have one guitar sometimes. you're lucky
1: if you have two guitars you know that you switch between between songs if you're a bigger band you got your roadie who has five of your favorite guitars that are all tuned to different tuning so when you want to go on a, in a song with drop d you just say bring it over here yep. and he unplugs your guitar and brings hands you your other guitar and plugs it in for you and then you're good to go
0: if you if you're in a hardcore band they throw it across the stage to you
1: yeah, you're just like, and you're like, don't bring my guitar,
0: please. And if you're in a jazz band, they have doves gently rest the strap. No, the if you're in a jazz band, you
1: just have one guitar.
0: Oh, okay, okay, okay. I see. And it's out of tune?
1: Just an amp, <laughs> no pedals, no effects. Yeah. One guitar.
0: Yeah.
1: That's the when in Marseille's school of thought. If you're not Freddie Green and just doing okay. this the entire time you're playing, just...
0: Mm. Get
1: get out of here. Weather Report Who? (laughs) Uh,
0: So I forget what this is. You have to
1: play upright bass. You can't play electric bass. I don't care if your name is Jaco Pastorius. You can't play electric bass in a big band.
0: No, no. Period. End of story. No.
1: That's stupid to me. I
0: don't know. No, you're not getting a solo, that's for sure. No, bass
1: players get solos.
0: No, I'm saying if you don't have an upright bass, they're not going to give you a solo.
1: And they won't let you play. Period. At Lincoln clearly- Center, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have an upright, if you can't handle your own on upright at Lincoln Center, it doesn't matter how good you are on electric.
0: Mm. And really, do they? Is there like a firing day. squad out back for you? if Oh this yes, happens? absolutely. Wow. No, yeah,
1: it's New York, so they have the NYPD on call.
0: Oh my gosh, it's like it's like 1940s Germany or something. Man, right? that's wow. All right. So on that note, I do you, do you think we have a do you think we sacrifice greater inspiration for lesser inspiration like that we don't take the time to inspire ourselves towards things that are meaningful because we're focused on the things that are more pretty.
1: I think meaning is what you make of it. And if you want to make something pretty and that's what's most meaningful to you, then go for it. Mm. And I think that's, what's going to be the most popular. I think the people who really want something deeper are always going to be in the minority, but they're no less valid or meaningful artists for that. Mm. And I think that if you take the time to really delve into your art form and to, to hone your craft, you'll be deeply rewarded. Uh, if no, no nowhere else than the fact that you'll be content with the fact that you've mastered your craft and that you've you've contributed to your tradition. Mm.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Interesting. That's a good point. I I wonder if I wonder if what can happen though is that if you don't have a you don't have a higher meaning to go after with your work, meaning that you that you focus on doing what makes you feel like almost that you're <coughs> self indulgent in your work to the point yes. that's what i was about to say yeah if you're it i think that creativity naturally is a self-indulgent practice and that you have to and not 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 in a way that's selfish i want to di- make a distinction no i guess no, i get what you mean self-indulgent versus selfish not self overindulgent let's put it that way uh but what can happen in that self-indulgent journey towards mastery and towards enjoying the art and and just, you know, and just enjoying it. Right. Which I think is, I think that's fine. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You, you have to, at least in that area or in some area of your life, it's a really good idea to have something, something meaningful, some reason why you're doing it, some, some service to other people in what you're doing like I hear people talk about they play music just because they they love to play music and cool in a sense depends on what you mean by that but I think if you if your whole life is based around you indulging your love for music and you don't attach something to that that helps other people
2: Mm -hmm.
0: there I think there can really be some some negative effects to that
2: and
1: I think, yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think an element or a I guess a wrinkle or like a, a I don't know, an angle of that is when people only listen to their music, the music that they make, I will I don't ever listen to anyone else, you know, like I just I just make my stuff, right? I don't draw inspiration for anything. I'm just doing with my or the worst of the people who are proud to be ignorant do you know what i mean
0: okay that Uh, like the people who are like
1: the people who are like i will never learn music theory Mm. because it makes me less effective as a musician i can't be as creative or expressive because if i learn music theory because that's all boxes that's all things i have to that's all things i have to worry about doing right or wrong or whatever and they don't realize that that, i mean that's so dumb because music theory is descriptive rather than prescriptive right
0: yeah
1: adam neely has a video that he talks about that concept but it's the same with anything like imagine if someone was proud of the fact that they didn't know how lighting works and they're a filmmaker right mm -hmm. like lighting is so important to to everything, to the mood of a scene, to the to the the meanings, the the way that your characters interact with each other, the way the audience interacts with the film, like just elements of like color color theory, and angles, and like if you were like proud to not know any of that stuff, this just it's just what you think it should be. Sure, maybe you can intuitively figure some of that stuff out, but like that's just that isn't a massive sabotage on the idea of the tradition of arts and the where art is headed you know what i mean
0: well i think what's interesting is that the person that would say that is somebody who is in their head attempting to be open minded that's what the place they're coming from they're like screw tradition i you know that's just that's just rules mm-hmm. however that's almost a, it's a form of closed mindedness, right? You're saying, you're saying, you're saying, I love experimentalism. I love being experimental, but I don't love the stuff that has come before me. I don't love- And How can you be
1: experimental if you don't know what's been tried before? Mm. If you don't know how to experiment, you know what I mean? You're limiting your tool belt, your, your, your tools in your belt at that
0: point. You have to be you're in crippling yourself. You have to be intentional to because I, I don't think I don't think it's I don't think it's wrong to close yourself off to some things to an extent, but you have to be very careful with what you close yourself off to, because that is that's actually contradicting your philosophy as a creator. If you're somebody who's like F the system, if you're not taking in the, the tradition, then you are. You're leaving something behind that has incredible meaning. That's it's, it's mm-hmm. really important, right? Classical music has a lot to teach you as a musician. So I think the correct I, I think the correct approach is what can I pull from this? What is wrong about this? What can I pull from this experimental world where we play songs with you know didgeridoos and <laughs> we 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 use car alarm sounds. And what is wrong with this when I, when I say wrong i don't necessarily mean like actually wrong i mean what what is what is something about this that is problematic
2: mm-hmm.
0: so i think you have to be open-minded to all of that stuff and i think that you have to be open-minded to all sorts of different arts and trying to see what you can pull from them and also be willing to be honest about things like, I think there are a lot of art forms that lack an artistic depth that they actually lack that because the, the focus is on you know money or the focus is it's in a wrong place. Right. Yeah. Or it, or that art is not digestible because like I think of the interpretive dance, um, idea that you're speaking to that's something that is not so digestible for most people even to you as as an you know as an artist a pretty open-minded guy that's something that is is hard to wrap your mind around and 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 sort of groove with like like fall into like when you listen to a good song that has that you groove with it on an emotional level more so than mm-hmm. just a technical level. That's a really special thing. It's hard right. to do that with certain art forms, and that's because they have they have failed to make it. They have potentially failed to make it digestible for you as somebody as as somebody who's trying to digest it.
1: Or it becomes more of an intellectual exercise than right. it is an exercise in expression.
0: Sure, sure, sure. And and that's okay. That's okay. Right, right. It's not wrong that they want. To make something Absolutely. that's completely undigestible to a lot of people. Maybe right. it's just for a few people,
1: but. That's all, that's my stuff.
0: Right, right.
2: <laughs> I don't
0: do anything emotional right. at all. And it all falls on a spectrum, right? Like what's digestible right. to somebody is not digestible. So uh, it's not wrong that they do that, but the way I look at it is okay, you have to understand the cause and effect. Like I think that art falls in this realm not of right and wrong, but of cause and effect. And if you're trying to be digestible, well, you're not doing a good job mm-hmm and I th- I think that that applies there so I think you have to look at you have to you have to open your mind to looking to to how you look at art as a whole right and I think that that's what I struggle with when I watch other people who create YouTube videos or music or uh, photography or paintings is I feel like a lot of people fail they they it's very hard not to put restrictions on things Mm -hmm. in our head. It's very hard. Like I try, I try to be very careful when I say you can't do this or this is definitively this because it's, it is, it is highly subjective. And you're, when you say, when you say something is off limits, you're running the risk of saying that from a perspective of, your cultural influence. Meaning if you got outside right. your culture, if you grew up in a different culture, you might realize you might think something completely different about that thing. So is it really off limits? Right. So exactly. Be, be open-minded and look for meaning. And enjoy yourself.
1: Yes. Yes. That's the most important thing. Enjoy yourself.
0: <laughs> enjoy yourself sorry I just saw that that's funny it's, your, your iPad is at 5% well I was going to wrap it up so this is actually a great time to do this so we don't want you to die on us that would um, be terrible that would be a terrible thing because I would I would miss your glasses
2: the humanity
0: <laughs> alright Hey, thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. Hey, Austin, where can people find you?
1: You can find me at Twitter at Austin underscore S underscore Ross or at Instagram at the same handle. And you can also find me um, on SoundCloud as Austin S. Ross. Gotcha. I haven't started my YouTube channel yet, but uh, we're getting there.
0: I want to see it. I want it to happen so bad. My loins are ready. All right. Bye, guys. (laughs) (laughs) he has gone into the ether